listening to the bomb hole. Bomb hole podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> the bomb hole. You're going to slide down in big hills. You know what I mean? On a big, nice burgundy snowboard. Okay, here we go again. We're back in the booth for the bomb hole. Presented by Wild Mike's Pizza, Pub Beer, and Solomon. Stony Buds. How we doing, my friend? So good, my dog. I just want to let you know that your resi tip is looking tall. It's looking good. I'm happy about it. Appreciate that, man. To my left, we have Max Warbington. Max, what's happening? Hello. It's uh, We're doing good in SLC. Loving it. Good to be in the booth. Well, we are very happy to have uh, Ore- Oregonian. Oregon? Oregonian. 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 That's right. Yeah. Oregoner. I think we're going to just kind of throw it right to a guest question to right get this thing started. I like that. Here we go. It's from your brother. Oh, God. G-Don. Fire it up. Bombhole, what up? G-Don here. Uh, I wanted to bring up a little memory. I kind of have a distinct memory of something going down in a firehouse sub somewhere on the East Coast on a Think Tank trip. I remember the word occupied being spoken, and I think Brandon Reese has a little video of that, so I'll let you take it from there. (laughs) Much love, homies. Oh, yeah, G-Don. Well, thanks for that call, Gus. Um, Yeah, younger brother. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was, we were on the East Coast. I think we were doing a tour of contests down the East Coast with, like, Mervin and maybe, like, partnered with Dinos or something, but we had a big squad going down the East Coast. Uh, stopped at a, probably a Duncan, some sort of a coffee house, East Coast style. And, you know, as one, as it happens when you drink coffee, I'm taking, I'm, my bowels are working. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm in there. Somebody comes, <laughs> knocks on the door as I'm mid wipe. No, not, not even knocks on the door, just opens the door. And wow. this is just like a full blown restaurant and it's Reese and I'm mid wipe. And I just like, am looking at, oh shit. Mid wipe. Looking all awkward, like this position, basically looking sideways at him, like, and I just go occupied, <laughs> <laughs> and it's Reese, and he knew that the door was like the lock didn't work because he was just in there, and so he straight has his phone out, like he's doing it on purpose, and I'm like just like caught occupied, <laughs> and, <then laughs> and he was he filming goes, you. Oh yeah, and so I come back, and I didn't really like. I was so like just like, oh my god, this is so bad, like so embarrassed, and I. Thought it was a homie, probably, but like could have just been a random person. And then I come out, and it's like the whole squad there, just like <laughs> dying, <laughs> dying. They're all just like watching this video, sharing. So the whole time, it's just like any bathroom, anytime you just hear people like occupied. <laughs> <laughs> it's a vulnerable uh, situation, midwipe. Yeah. That's a very vulnerable situation. Straight up midwipe, wow. like awkward back arch midwipe. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to look good. I imagine. No, no, no midwipe. No. Yeah. So, uh, well, well, now that we got the occupied uh, situation handled, right. you're Oregonian, Oregonian, I know you're supposed to say Oregon. Oregonian. Oregonian. That's what some like to say. You're from Bend, okay. and, and your childhood is very interesting. Let's yeah. just, just kind of paint a picture Yeah, the people listening. Born and raised in Bend. My mom is a true Oregonian. She was born in Portland, which is like kind of rare for people of her generation. Um early Oregon, Oregonian. And yeah, just, I grew up in Bend. I was born and raised there. My parents have a house in Tumalo, um, a little farmstead. 
we're on like 40 acres or so. My dad like bought a, the chunk behind us when I was little and we remodeled or he remodeled our house and just put up a nice family home. Uh, when I was like seven or eight, there was like a year where we were living in this trailer outside and our house was getting remodeled and we had like bird cage in the trailer and all these animals. And cause the whole thing is my dad's a veterinarian and he loves animals. My mom loves animals and we have the space and we, so yeah, my whole life I've been surrounded by animals. Like the sheep and horses are the main thing we have at the farm. Uh, but that's been like a really big part of my life is just taking care of animals and just being around dogs, all types, all the time. Like my family was constantly taking in dogs and taking in animals that were sick and growing up when I, until about 14 or 15 probably, or maybe a little older than that, we had camels at my house, two camels, <laughs> the Bactrian camels with two humps, uh, a male and a female. And the male Teton was like, like take a horse and then just like look up another like full blown couple of feet and, and then way wider than that. And these two humps and in the winter he'd be all covered in fur and just such a beast. Like, um, Those yeah, would, spit at you. Those they would spit they, if they nice don't like me. you. Really? Like, if they, they don't like you, he would spit. go through like phases of temperament where it's if he's in heat or like whatever's going on or not in heat, but just depending on the mood. Like, yeah, he's sometimes would just be hyped up and scary, and sometimes would be pretty nice. And we had a big old like big huge enclosure for him. Um, yeah, that was wild. But and then uh, your your mom worked at Batchy, correct? Yeah, she Mount was bachelor kind of a stay or stay at home mom when we were little, and then once Gus and I were both like out of the house a lot snowboarding, she had more time and stuff, and got started volunteering at Bachelor, and then eventually became the manager of the their ambassador program, uh, which is just like the mountain hosts basically. You see at the bottom of the catwalk and at the top of the lift and stuff, telling people where to go, and so she, yeah, she manages or she managed like eight, 80 or so people there for three or four years, I think. And now she's just back as a normal ambassador step down from the manager role, but she had a big impact there and it was really awesome. Um, Let's give him an yeah, air horn. Big time. Big facts. Yeah. Everyone told me your parents are just complete legends. Totally. Like, and they have like, I can't give it up enough to them for everything that they've done for me and my brother and like all of my friends, like they've helped support so many different people and so many cool little avenues in snowboarding by like just being so welcoming and like so encouraging in us to travel ourselves and like be respectful and go around and meet other people and just, you know, like good uh, ethics and stuff when you're on the road. Um, And then they just were so welcoming in the same fashion to anyone who was on the road to come and stay. And just, it would be so random. So many people like I, countless times we've had like 20 plus people at my parents house just like on the ground like sleeping in the house sleeping in the house full run of the house <laughs> full run of the house it's crazy my mom would be up early like making breakfast for everybody huge breakfasts and stuff like huge dinners always she's an incredible cook like um and then my dad would just like classic like take advantage of everybody being there and like let's get a huge project done like you guys want to all move this pile of wood like over here like and everybody's just like yep like let's go we're at the farm like let's pick up some hay bales and like stack them over there because like that's what needs to go down smart move yep uh earlier we asked you uh words to live by in our patreon interview and you had a great answer yeah yeah it's kind of like it just popped in my head definitely one of my dad's mottos is respect gets respect and he would always 
lay that on us when we were like going out on a mission, leaving for the day. He'd be like, okay, boys, like, what does respect get? And we'd just be respect, like, respect gets respect, dad. We know it's from the code, like, it's from the ski code. <laughs> <laughs> like the ski code they got on, like, the signs and everything. Exactly. Like that? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. what the ski code the is. Ski right? code. Yeah, there's like always the six. look uphill. And exactly. <laughs> and one is respect, he gets respect. Respect gets, that's a great one, though. Yep. That's a I could picture you and G Don walking out and being like, respect, dad. Yeah, all yeah, respect. <laughs> yeah. I got to get hit, uh, G Don, with a quick air horn, please. Be- uh, I've also been seeing them a lot lately in the Del Taco drive-through. Been hitting those veggie burritos, I believe. No doubt. Uh, yeah. So I got to slap a little bit of respect on that. They got that beyond. At yeah, they got Del the beyond Taco. now. Yeah, that shit's fire. That shit mm-hmm. is fire. And you also have twenty-three peacocks and a fifty-year-old turtle. <laughs> at least that's a word. At least twenty-three. <laughs> at dude. least I, I would. Your dad's just to, collecting. I'd put it close to double that. Double straight that. Straight up. Like damn. Or more. Like um. Oh my god, the peacocks. Yeah. The whole like. I think the property maybe came with peacocks or right at the beginning, my dad acquired a few peacocks, but they've been there like as long as he has. And um, yeah, they're just all over the place. They stay, they're really like territorial. So they just stay where they're fed and like they don't leave really. And they have their little like really territorial down to like 10 feet. So like a male peacock will just have his little spot that he like patrols. And it's just like, they're all over the place. Full blown. With their own little spot. Yeah. (laughs) So um, peacocking, uh, I'm not entirely sure by definition. Right, is kind of is that when you you get big and you try to like intimidate or what's it's the any vibe sort of, of like flare? Yeah, it's flare. like anything a male will do to like really flare up to like impress chicks. Okay. Would you say that like on the snowboard you've been inspired by them and try to do any like peacocking while on the board? Well, like brightly colored clothing. I'm always trying to like match my kits. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. So like, you've been inspired by the peacocking, right? Like, so basically, yes. I kind of in my, when I see somebody out there just kind of flexing, like just putting on for their city on their snowboard. I kind of see view that as peacocking, right? You know, for big, sure. We, should we just put that in rotation? Yeah, peacocking. We'll start calling like, it damn, as we see it. Damn, like Max has been peacocking up there so today. He's been him? ripping. Yeah, he was just in everyone's face, like shoving dicks <laughs> down your throat. Claiming like, his zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Claiming all the spots. That's like, I mean, that does kind of go down. Like, yeah, I heard the dust box shit. was uh, peacocking out of New York. I did hear month. a little, right? Yeah. You know, they roll up with that big of a squad. It's, if you're just some other squad, mm-hmm. you're not going to get the chicks. Not going to get nope. it. They're going to go for the dust box. Damn, like I, the, dust, <laughs> the dust box just peacocked all over our whole crew. We're, Dude. We're fucked. We're fucked. They showed up and just like all of our chicks left <laughs> with them. <laughs> what? And what's up with Chompy? Chompy's the tortoise. Um, he is. We give him a little air horn? Big. He's, he needs a big air horn. Are we, we, are we giving Chompy the super air horn? Yeah, let's if give him anyone super. gets one. <laughs> Shouts to Chompy. That's for Chompy. Yeah, we'll get. We'll definitely pull up some photos and vids of this guy. But he's a African desert tortoise. It's maybe like this big around, like you know, the size of like a sled, <laughs> like a little disc. Sled. Yeah. Yep. And he weighs probably like sixty pounds or so, and strong as hell. Uh, he lives. We somebody brought him to my dad's clinic. Um, he, they're really rare. No, and we put ads in the paper, put stuff about him, tried to find the owners, you know, whatever. And so eventually, just no, nothing came of it. We have a tortoise. This is when I'm like 12 or something. Um, yeah. So we get the tortoise. He is a wild animal. Like, we don't know where he's from. We don't know how old he is. And he, we have him a few years. 
but we keep him outside. And in this, right before the winter, he enters this like panic mode where he starts trying to escape the yard. <clears throat> yeah, so he starts trying to escape, and he's so strong that he'll like get up against a fence and just start pushing and digging until he like either digs down to like a rock that's not going to move or like something where he can just like get and just like push and he pushes through fences and like will break anything that's in front of him. He'll rip staples out of fence posts and shit. And like, he just escapes our yard. And so multiple times he's escaped and we have like this sand kind of in like part of our sheep pasture and then like the cross the street sandy and you can track him a little bit because he leaves this funny track dude i'm like really good at it i'll this i have a fucking funny photo where i was using my girlfriend at the time's uh camera took a photo with it like i'm scanning like all these desert areas looking for this tortoise like eventually i find him like so far away by like zooming in on the camera like because i didn't want to walk all the way over there you know (laughs) but he's awesome dude he's we don't know how old he is and i would say like if one animal could talk on the farm i wish it could be chompy like he's got stories don't know where he's from like no clue and he's escaped the one time he's gone for like a week or more maybe and he came back and he'd been hit by a guy's hay swather oh wow like the giant hay combine things uh, somebody ran him over in the field and noticed it, like, because it was such a loud noise. Like, I just hit a big boulder, you know? And it's miles away from my house. He's been gone for a week or whatever. They bring him back to my dad, just, like, because he's the vet in town. And he's like, oh, my God, it's Chompy. Like, <laughs> and, his, and his shell was all cracked up, and he, he couldn't use his back legs at the beginning. Damn, oh, wow. And my dad, like, did all this research, figured it out, like, got some turtle shell paste and was, like, putting it on there and fully just, like, fixed the shell. And he still, like, can't use his back legs super good, but way better. And he's, like, living a happy life right now on the farm. Let's give Chompy yeah, another Chompy. How yeah. come Chompy, they don't just let him in in the winter? Oh, we do, we oh, do, do, yeah. Nuts. But he lives like he's happy outside all summer. We yeah. just like feed, he has a big yard, and he we feed him like salads every day. He, my mom makes so him, he's like, living these a great life. Salads, yeah. <laughs> so but who, then he still just like tries to escape every year. And who, like, who coined the name uh, Chompy? Uh, it was from I think it was just like all of us kind of as a mutual family, like because he's so funny when he eats. Mm-hmm. He you'll give him this salad and it's just beautiful, and like he sits there and like there's a strawberry right here, and he just like can't get it. <laughs> He fucking misses it, dude. Like, and then he'll kind of like knock it off the thing, and it's like it's so painful to watch him eat. And you're just like, how does this thing like survive in the wild? But they, how because they, they live, get, these guys. They, I think they can be like over a hundred years old, wow. like around that, like similar to Bud's age. Yeah, right, right. Me and Chompy, <laughs> dude. No one's sure which who's older. <laughs> So let's get into Dude. some formative years <laughs> of, bo- of boarding. Uh, uh, let's do a little pivot. I guess I've been getting shit for not saying pivot enough. Let's do a little pivot out of uh, <laughs> the people want chompy talk. Dude, and then, uh, just can't win. <laughs> let, let's just dive into uh, some formative boarding years because I know you know you got some good fundies, fundamentals. Right. Fundies. I was definitely had some coaches drill it into me, some, some uh, former bomb hole members. James Jackson. Been in the booth, yep. Big shout out to James. He, uh, yeah, I grew up as like a little side effect Grom kid. So if side effect was the snowboard shop that James Jackson owned in Bend and it was amazing culture that he created there. And I was just like perfect age, me, the Ferguson's, like all of us in Bend, we got to like really enjoy that shop. And like, it was the classic, like go in there, they have cool videos playing and it's just like all the cool brands and there's a demo or whatever you can help with to get free gear. And like, 
that's how I got a lot of my first like anything for free and little lineup with sponsors and stuff was through side effect and all that. Um, and then coupled along with like writing for MBSEF, which was Dave Reynolds, who uh, Dave Reynolds and then this guy Hans Hibbert and another coach, uh, Adam. I can't remember his last name, but awesome dude, Adam. What is MBSEF? MBSEF is Mount Bachelor Sports Education Foundation. Okay, copy. Yep. yep. Used to be ski and then they changed it to sports because the snowboarding program there like really started blowing up. Uh, and we did, we had like a really fun traveling contest program when, until I was like 15 or so that I was a part of, um, through MBSEF. And then we started riding with James and more side effect, like just kind of low key coaching. I wouldn't really call it coaching, but we were just like riding with James at bachelor and sending it on wind lips mostly. And then he would be like our coach when he'd go to rev tour and like those other type of contests travel with him and the Fergs and like JD Dennis, dude, the Dennis's like major shout out to those guys and same with like oh man there were so many people back then the crew uh from bachelor like our little kid crew was just amazing Mm -hmm. so back back in the day like i just think it's you look at the people that you know not to take it back to james jacks but that that whole bend era and all the the people that kind of grew up coming through the bend system we'll call it riding mount bachelor they all everybody that sits in that chair seems to have just like rock solid fundamentals to build off of mm-hmm. and then the sky the sky is kind of the limit if you start and you learn your tricks really well at a young age you, the sky's the limit i feel like if your fundamentals are good yeah for sure and i think that like it's it's fundamentals with bachelor but also like it's kind of just like the way the mountain is too because it is like everybody talks shit on bachelor a little bit because it's flat and all these powder riders uh, flatchler like whatever and the thing about a flat mountain is you have to be like dialed with your speed. If you want to like freestyle it and go big and like hit these transfers that are available, but you might have to like bomb half the mountain, you know, and like hit this one turn. And if you ditch your speed right there, you're done like waste of a whole run. And we kind of just grew up like chasing these dudes that are really good at that. Like Dirksen and Curtis and like Austin, Brian, when he come through and, um, yeah, a lot of the gaps you just have to be able to haul ass to clear. So it just, as opposed to like a steep mountain where you're checking all your speed and like side slipping down shit, we're just like on edge, maintain, like pump this little bump, get speed. And I think that's like, that's like the key to all the people from Bachelor. It's just like really dialed at speed, probably not going to fall very much. And like, they're really good at like judging speed on gaps, trannies. And I think mm-hmm. that applies to like half pipe when you can like know your speed and know how you're just going to like float up a wall just because of how you you can just look at it and know. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of bachelor people that just is like ingrained in it because it's how you ride at bachelor. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. That does make a lot of sense. And yeah. if you fall, you're basically going to be stuck because it's so flat or what? Yeah, exactly. So and you, like you think about much. the flat, like, yeah, you don't, there's so many places where you're like, Oh, I could totally just like fall right here. But then I'd be stuck. Yeah. So I gotta like just squirm out of this and land it and like yeah, no just, matter what. I'm, no matter what. I'm landing. Yeah. yeah, and like Jared cool. Jared Big Air Jared's like that. Ferg's are real like that. All these people that I I would put up as just like stompers, like mm-hmm. people who don't fall very much. Absolutely. That's uh, awesome. So then, you know, you're growing up, you're doing the Mount Hood or Mount excuse me, Mount Bachelor program. And then I remember seeing you as a camper at High Cascade up at Mount Hood. Correct. For sure. Was yep. was that some formative shmee going there? Big time. Yeah. Mount Hood 
as a lot of people have said on here, it's just life changing place for me. Um, in multiple ways. Like we started going up there when I was super young as like a day camper with my parents first. I think I was maybe like 10 or 11 my first year going. And that was like really young. Um, and then the next few years was like, I, that's where I met like Griffin and Sage and blaze and like all my friends that I live in different places. We just like were campers at high cascade together. And it was amazing throughout like, I think I did maybe six years as a camper, six or seven years as a camper, and then, like, the same amount of time as a staff member there. Who are your coaches? Uh, coaches, dude, starting out, um, my very first coach ever there was Tyler Scharf, who's, like, one of the owners of Air Blaster. Okay. Awesome, dude. Batchy homie. Um, and he coached, like, me and the Fergusons and, like, some of the other kids for our very first time. And then after that, we had, like, Gus Engel and Johnny Miller as wow. a dual coaching team. Dual coach. For two years in a row. Wow. Which was That's, insane. Yeah. Like, and that was, this is Gus Engel, like, shoes hanging off of his belt. Patrick Patterns. Dirty is, yeah, exactly Patrick Patterns, prime time. Gus Engel, like, he's not that he's not in his prime now, but, like, it was legendary. He w- That was a window of time that was just, it, it was, was legendary. Great dirtiest work. person I've ever seen in my <laughs> life, dude. Like, when Gus was up there and... Oh, my God. And then finding out that, like, Gus's brother's name was Max was really crazy. That's pretty Like, me and Gus are his campers, and he's like, wait a minute. Like, my brother's name's Max. And so that was just, like, sick connection we had with him right away. Um, And, that yeah, he was a pretty fucking awesome coach. I remember he kind of opening my eyes up to, like, damn, this is, like, this guy's, like, a snowboarder all the time. And he's, like, not like anybody I've ever really met before. And that was really cool. And him and Johnny's dynamic was, like, amazing at that point. And then after that, we had uh, Tim Eddy for, like, years. Like, wow. Yeah, three years, I think, with Tim Eddy. It was all time. And we had, at that point, it was, like, absolute super group. Like, all of Lick the Cat, all of our OG homies, like, every single person in that group is, like, somebody in the industry now. And we were just, like, little kids, you know? I got a sidebar note. I'd like to say, like, uh... I had a dog named Gus, and then my friend Simon's dog, uh, who passed away, his name was Max. Both of you guys kind of have, like, dog names. Everything about that? Straight up. Yeah. So dope. So like, Gus the, and Max. The Fergusons, dude. The Fergusons had a Gus and Max dog. Oh, really? No way. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember which one came first, but they they already had Gus, maybe, and then they got a new dog and named it Max because, of, like, they already knew us. <laughs> that's why they named it straight up i think that's i cool. mean i think they definitely had a gus and a max people should name them people after dogs more often i think that's a that's like, a move I you see so, some dude. phytos and yeah, some spots some phyto. popping up like <laughs> this this is my friend buddy yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude oh wow shit. yeah um yeah high cascade dude i don't know what else i can say about it it was all time like i got to work there with Dave as the head coach for one year. Dave Reynolds. Dave Reynolds, mm-hmm. the man, flawless D. Fuck great yeah, fun- he's got great fundamentals. All you Ben guys, they got the fundamentals. Yeah, and he was a real like he is the most dialed at like running a coaching program of anyone. Mm-hmm. Like that when that shit was popping up there and he was running it. No like disrespect to pops because it was all like the things that happened after that caused camp to go crazy. But Dave Reynolds camp era like. The coaches were so cool and so cool to the kids and just made snowboarding, like, so much fun. And I got to just give Dave so much props for all that. So, um, you know, we, we don't always go in chronological order here. We just kind of jump around. 
And I think, I think this is kind of a great time for another guest question. Now, the guest question is presented by Solomon Snowboards. Um, this week, we're going to talk about the Solomon Ultimate Ride. I haven't ridden the new one, but I did see Bodie Merrill riding an Ultimate Ride the other day. Me and Buds were up uh, mm-hmm. hitting a cheese wedge. Bodie did a front-end double cork to the bottom of the landing. No big uh, deal. It was unbelievable. And so I, I think the ultimate ride works well, uh, but I can't say for certain because I haven't ridden it. And Bodie's so, ultimate ride. And yeah, Bo, that's Bodie. So, you, you know, uh, if you're looking to do a front 10 double, pick yourself up an ultimate ride. <laughs> the art was looking pretty sick, too. Yeah, he's got a new, the next year's graphics got yeah. like a rocket ship on it. It's really cool. So uh, let's get into the guest question. And this is a two parter. This is maybe like a four parter from your right. brother, G Don. Oh, God. Gus, dog name. And he's back. And also Tucker. So here we go. The straight up Hellride crew. Yeah. This is some OG. <laughs> Shout out. What up, Bomb Hole? How we doing? G Don here. We're sitting in the Brighton lot with Tucker Andrews getting ready for Good the morning. Day. Oh, God. We were wondering about Max's legacy at High Cascade. How did that start? How did that kind of affect your trajectory as a boarder? And also, List some of the heavy shredders that you've been coaching or that you have coached because there's a lot of heavy names. We got like Zeb Powell, Benny, Cooper, a bunch of Dustbox homies. And like we wanted to know what your like tips were for coaching and how you got all those kids to be so fucking sick. So <laughs> yeah, just uh, – oh, yeah, and Tucker's got a little something. And then from like High Cascade, I was only up there for one summer with you, but – Bitch. Just go in a little bit of detail, maybe some <laughs> stories from the birdhouse days living in that funky little spot or uh, just any kind of tales that come with that summer that I was up there and JD, we were all living together. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> Bumhole, peace out. Later, boys. Do you remember those questions? That's a lot of questions. There's, a lot, there's like 15 questions. Those guys just ramble, man. They're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no, I'll start with Tucker. Uh, so that was my, all of our like first year working at camp. I was, I think, 18, I was freshly 18 when I started. Um, and I started first year as a digger. Uh, Tucker was coaching. We had Blaze Kotzenberg coaching, JD Dennis coaching, um, a few other heads with us there. And we were living in the birdhouse, which is a legendary house. I've Gully. lived there before. Right. Right next to the street course in Govey, right there in the main strip, literally shaped like a f- old school birdhouse. Um, Got like it, ship windows looking things. Ship windows and like ship bedrooms. It was like mm-hmm. these insane stacked bedrooms, and there was like a the living room had a straight up hole in the floor that like you couldn't go in this one section of the living room because you'd just fall through the floor. Like no joke, house. It was like that for multiple years with the holes in the floor. <laughs> I don't know. This is how it was. When we it were was there. run down <laughs> run when down. we lived there too. At this point. And nowadays it's been remodeled. I think it's all yeah. nice, but this is some shit. Uh, and like you could go all the way up to the roof. And I think Spenny, Spenny lived in the roof. I dude. lived in the I lived in the top floor. Top floor. So yeah. You have to go through the hole in the rafters. Mm-hmm. You open and close the and rafter that door. One little window. That's mm-hmm. only dude, like a, so hot in there. The summer's oh actually a horrible choice. Yeah, anyway. horrible room. Yeah, the, that was. Yeah, so that was our first hood experience, and it was just like we're all like interns. No one's even being paid, and it's just like gnarly. But we had like. The mini ramp in the back, we're all there. Everyone's fucking hyped, right? Um, So me and Spenny were first-year diggers that year. We just got put through the fucking ringer, like, so hardcore. And this, I don't know if you were a digger then. I don't remember. My memory is a little Ted was. I probably was. Chip was. I think I probably was. It was, like, OG fucking squad. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of people working at camp at that point. 
And like we, because if I was on like lap pro, lap park with like Ian Hart, Spenny, and like maybe Ralph Kucharek or somebody like that, it was like that was like stuck everybody over in lap park, and we had the shit sled, and like it was just so gnarly. And I remember like I was driving the snowmobile because I was the only one in that crew who'd ever driven a snowmobile, but like barely. Craziest story I remember was driving up the snowmobile, and I like get to the top of the lap park. I've got like two rakes two salt bags and I try to turn around and the thing just like starts flipping downhill. <laughs> I try to turn around and like step off, I think. And it started flipping. Like I got stuck underneath it. I think if I you're low sided on, yeah, on a low side, you're, you're it'll roll in. right. I was just like, yeah, I think it did one roll and yeah. then it was like on one top on top of one of my legs. And I was like trying not to let the salt bag go. So I'm like holding a salt bag with one hand. <laughs> like, and I was just, that was like session one probably. And it, that was just, like, the whole rest of the summer. And then at the end, and that whole time, I was, like, kind of just, like, what am I doing? Like, I really want to be here, but this vibe's so crazy. And, like, I love all these digger guys, but, like, I just did not fit in as a digger at all. Like, it w- I totally was down with everything, but it was just, like, so funny. And I'm, like, damn, like, okay, this is not for me. Like, after that summer, court C-Max straight up was, like, there's the rehire paperwork. And then he just put, like, nothing on it for me he's like good job but like probably don't come back (laughs) was the vibe that i got and like there was multiple times like i kept wearing like bright colored clothes i'd wear like this all white i had an all white one piece that i'd wear that summer and because i was just homies with like tucker and jd and these guys who were just fucking off all the time and i didn't really like i thought the diggers were like joking most of the time you know because i'd been like kind of around them a lot and i was homies with everybody and i'm like they don't they're not gonna give a fuck if i wear some bright colors and then they all wear black right oh yeah yeah Yeah, you gotta be a tough guy and then it's like i'm getting pulled aside like by at the van like are you gonna wear this shit again tomorrow max like what's going on dude like you can't really you're not really like fitting in with the squad it's kind of like the office <laughs> uh, that the hardcore? office uh it was that hardcore at that time dude straight up office space when they're like she's like you're not wearing the uh min- you're just wearing the minimum amount of flare yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly it's like you, you gotta you got the minimum amount of black on right now max like you're gonna have to step it up but i love that shit like that's why it's cool and then the next year like i would just hit dave up and i'm like yo can i coach like i don't want to be up here i want to do this like and he was like, yeah, no problem. And I got in there and I like then had so much fun, like right away. Like one of the first campers that I got was Miles. He was like session two or something. Miles Fallon. Mm. Amazing. Like little kid. And at that point he's like 12 or something. He's a little kid. He was like, I was right there when he did like his first one footer and shit like that. <laughs> Just like, I remember his first one footer. Yeah, I remember his first one footer. <laughs> Fisher Price, my first one footer. <laughs> Straight up. And so then in- in- instantly when I became a coach, I was like, okay, it's on. Like, this is amazing. And years after that, I coached for like five or six years after that up there. And just so many amazing Six years kids. is a good run. Or five or six years is a good run. It was a good run. I stuck it out the longest, like, I, as long as I could. Until it was out of Govey. Like, once they moved out of Govey, then I was out. But Who else did you coach? I coached, like, yeah, Miles was a big one. Because I had Miles Fallon for multiple years. Like, until he became, like, a pro, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, most of the Dustbox kids, like, were either being coached by me or like riding i mean not being coached by me but like around a lot and riding with the kids who are in my group cooper and was a heavy he was he spent a lot of time yeah cooper, cooper whittier was, like, who's a dust box guy he was a formative years at, at it's the, hard for me to say that i coach those guys because i can't remember if they were like campers or not but they're there at hood so much mm-hmm. and i'm riding with them all the time up there like 
Um, and then like, yeah, there's people like Luke Winkleman too. Like he was another one of those who's just there all the time and riding with my group all the time. But like, maybe he was an actual camper. You're like, not once. even sure which ones are campers. And yeah. Cause they're still like so good, you know? Yeah. But uh, like Chili Graves was a long time camper who became so sick. His style's amazing. Um, damn. I need to like check, do a full check. There's, I have Benny a, Milam on that list. Yeah, Benny was my Zeb camper Powell? for sure. Zeb, yeah, Zeb was a camper for multiple years. He when he start, first started coming up, he was like the progression on Zeb Powell is just insane. Like when he first came up, he was super sketchy. Like still had that same air awareness, but could land on his feet, but didn't really know like how to do tricks or like even what tricks were called. He'd only been snowboarding for like a short amount of time and just like, but you could tell he had it. Like, yeah, when he wins things like Nugget Hooker, you just like. Well, I coached him. I actually taught him everything he fucking knows. <laughs> exactly. I basically won that medal. Yep. No, All Zeb those was kids the... have the fundamentals, too, you know, that, that you have. So that's pretty cool. I mean, they did, like, kids like Zeb, they just have, he's got something else. Yeah. He definitely has that another natural like, level I would, of talent. I would say that he doesn't have fundamentals in a lot of aspects, like, but he's so, he has so much talent and skill and, like, his mental game is on such another level of, like, just being, believing that he can do anything. That he's just gonna like do it, and he does it. Yeah. Fundamentals don't really like matter that much. That mental strength, if you can straight up like do it your own way, mm -hmm. that's a good <laughs> point. You know, yeah, because it's. I would say he doesn't have good fundamentals really compared to like the people that are doing the same tricks. Yeah, as him. no, you True, could say man. that. Um, go, so going back, one thing I want to talk about is like I remember riding at Hood, working at Hood for however many summers I did. So you you snowboard all winter long, you snowboard in the spring, and then you. You snowboard all summer, and you the level of confidence you get on your board from riding that much is so crucial to if you want to be really good at snowboarding. I think yeah. the year-round thing makes such a big difference. Would you say totally. the same for yourself, that time on the board? 100%. And that's, like, why I went so ham up at Hood was because I had some just, like, super unfortunate ankle injuries for, like, three years in a row when I was, like, 19 until, like, 22 or something like that. Um and I would just have to skip winter, and then I would be finally healthy in the summer and just ready to go ham, like, and want to be up at Hood and shred every single day. And coaching was awesome because you had to, like, not only do you shred every day, but you have to, like, have a good attitude every single day and, like, show up for the campers and, like, be stoked. Even if it's raining and, like, you're hurt or whatever, you got to get up early and, like, meet the kids and stuff. And so that just, like, I think that is really good conditioning for f trying to film snowboarding and just being able to, like, okay, today, your yesterday sucked, but, like, I got to get up early again and just, like, wipe it and get on a good attitude and, like, go do today better, like, and Hood, I think, yeah, especially coaching and just being around the kids and, like, trying to stay stoked, I think that is good conditioning. And one thing, thinking about also, you know, my experience and one thing you learned, too, is if you think about, you know, I'll just speak for myself. When I was 20 years old, I loved smoking weed. Like, I was so right. hyped on it, right? And murdering a thousand beers like those two things <laughs> right like just those were what i was hyped on and yeah. like skating and snowboarding right you're like let's just murder beers this is awesome right so then then going to hood though you have to be like well like i'm meeting these kids that look up to me in some degree i i can't be an asshole like i can't be slamming beers in front of these kids so it, it's the first time in in like your snowboarding career where you you're kind of like i gotta like People are looking at me. I don't want to be a an asshole role model, right? In some hundred percent, yeah. And there's always like you're the whole time up there. You're just like riding that line, 
of yeah. like because you're there to like party and have fun and like hang out with all your homies and go crazy but you're also there to like do your job and coach and like be a cool coach and hang out and like you know have kids look up to you and think you're cool and uh it is a fine line yeah and there's then, i have one really good story yeah let's get fucking, into it okay so this is maybe it's the year that danimals went pro I don't know. Oh, when I remember that, that summer. Was. Yeah, big Danimals ride boards. That big Danimals ride boards. Yeah. Right. That was a big moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm coaching. Everybody's up there for that huge fucking party. Right. Big vibes. There's like a party bus going down to Portland. You know what's going down? Like they're doing the strip club circuit. Like <laughs> things are gonna get crazy, and and we have to like work the next day, right? And so I'm in my house. I think. We're trying to decide whether or not we can swing it to, like, go on this mission. They're about to take the party bus. Party bus, like, pulls up. I'm, like, me, maybe, like, I think Blaze, Codsenberg, and somebody else, Spenny, probably from my house. We're, like, fuck it. We're doing it. Like, we got to do this. Got to work tomorrow. Whatever. We'll figure it out. Like, send it down there. We just go absolutely ham. Like, full-blown. It's a party bus, and it's, like, I'm tripping because it's Danimals. Like, that was one of the first times I got to, like, kick it with Jed. And Jed's there. Everybody has these, like, little film cameras. It's, like, all my favorite pro snowboarders in a bus, like, going down to Portland to Rage. And I was, like, 22. And I'm just, like, let's fucking go, you know. We go down. Desiree's, like, hyping us up all night. And we're in the last. We're in, I think it was Casa Diablo, last strip club. Oh, that one gets rowdy. Crazy. And I'm, like, you know, I'm not. Kind of, I like strip clubs because it gets everybody all stoked. And like, this was pretty much prime time because it's like full joke night, full of the homies, you know? And everybody has these film cameras and the whole night, everyone's been snapping film photos inside the club and everything. And like this one stripper was like really down for it. And they were just like, there was no one else there. And it was this Danimals like ride party. So it was like, there were no rules. It felt like. And so very end of the night, I'm like, we're about to fucking leave. And I take a photo and my camera had like gold on it. I had this shot of Jed out the side of the window of the party bus and he's got like champagne bottle. And I like click this photo of him outside the bus on the way there. I still remember it, like the flash going off and everything. I'm like, yo, that was a banger. Like, so I'm all hyped on this camera and I'm taking like my last shot just so faded in the strip club. And I just like blast off a shot of Desiree or something. And then all of a sudden get like, chokeholded from behind bouncer and the dude grabs me throws me on the ground like all these people around him and then he tries to like i think i got slammed on the ground and he like straight stepped on my neck or some shit and grabbed he was was kind of peacocking if you will exactly and he it was like he had just came on his shift or some shit and didn't know the vibe and then he just like walked in and then just like i first thing i see is me taking this big flash photo just not happening. Just a big it, right? no-no and big in titty no-no. bars. No yeah. fly zone. Yeah. Smashes. He smashed my camera, dude. R.I.P. R.I.P. I was so pissed. Like, so pissed, so drunk. And I didn't. And then, like, I was so hurt, too. Like, I had gotten slammed. Like, the wind knocked out of me and shit. And everybody gets out. We And then we get back in the bus. And I'm just, like, crying about my camera. I'm like, dude, like, no. I got, like, this, these photos. Like, fuck. I can't let it go. <laughs> We get back up to hood and then the next morning comes along and I'm just like dead asleep. No alarms going off. My roommates just let me sleep too. Everybody ditches me at hood. Classic. Classic friends. They got their own thing going on, you know. (laughs) Nobody can like bother to wake me up. And I got it. And so I wake up like 
with like two minutes to get to the street course and like a million missed calls from pops. And I'm just like, Oh fuck. Like I'm done. Pops is the head coach. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so he ends up, I call him back. I'm like, dude, if this is what just happened and you've got to like save me somehow. And I'm like, come, can you come pick me up? And I just like get outside, get all my shit on and pops hooks me up. And we literally like my campers, they made up some excuse in the street course. I get in pops's car. We beat the buses just like, barely beat the buses to go up and I get in the lodge and then I'm just like chilling in the lodge when my campers get there. I'm like, what's up boys? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, just fully play it off. Like, oh yeah, I got up early, you know, like I've just, I couldn't be there this morning in the street cars. How's it going? Whatever. And I think like, uh, you probably smell like a dumpster. You've been drinking on exactly. And I think like, dude, my campers that session were like river Rishe and like Noah gorilla and some of these like people from the East coast. And they're just like, you motherfucker. Like, you know what's going on <laughs> fully just calling me out for it. And like, I just remember I came clean to pops about like everything that happened to that. And he's just like, like father to son moment. He's like, I'm proud of you. Like, <laughs> yeah. dude, that's exactly what you're supposed Good to be doing job. when you're 21. That's exactly. literally what you're supposed yeah, to be doing. That's so true. It's like, if you're not doing that, you're, uh, you're going to, it's going to be able to, you're going to do it when you're 40 and then right. you got problems. And then you got big problems straight up. And you just hear like growing up, I heard so many stories of crazy partying at Mount hood. Like, and it's good that like some of that shit's still just going down, you know. You're also when you're like forty, you're way too hungover to be yeah. drinking like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you gotta do it yeah. in, in the younger days. All right. Let's get into our breakout moment presented by our friends over at Ten Barrel and Pub Beer. Pub beer supports us. You should support them. Their tagline is cheap fun beer. Now, before snowboarding became a big serious career, back when it was cheap and fun. Do you have a memorable breakout moment? Um, yeah, big time. And I want to give a quick shout out to Pub Beer because I, the girl who's such an awesome person named Moo or Madeline Eakin, uh, used to live with us and me and my wife in our house. And she's the one who like started Pub Beer, basically. Oh no way! Works wow. for Ten Barrel, came up with that idea, has been doing the whole thing. So she's rad. Major, should we give her a little? Let's give her the super yeah. horn. Major shout out to Moo. Roommate, big time homie. That's cool. Yep. Okay, now uh, you got to answer the question. Now we go break out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've been talking a lot about hood, but definitely I would say the breakout moment for me would be like the doing the Merrill Mini Pipe and like doing good and doing that. Uh, First of all, explain what the Merrill Mini Pipe Invitational is because right. it's a great event. Great event. RIP. I mean, for real. We need we we to come back. We need that back. Um, it was just pretty much like, I would say, kind of like your peak snowboard contest and as far as like all the heads that would be there uh it's a mount hood you know the central one place you can snowboard only place in the whole country and it's the big pro contest the only one that would happen uh and it would be on the mini pipe which is like the and that's the only place that there's like a good mini pipe so it's kind of like this perfect storm of like the sickest event that can happen for me. Like sidebar though. Also no conventional half pipe riders are allowed. Oh, they're not allowed. Yeah. If you, if you're like a podium contest pipe guy, you're out, but you're dude, Danny Davis. That's a good point. That's a good point for, right. for and Louis Vito did do the first double cork in the Merrill mini pipe. Oh, that's However, true. But yeah. like for the most part, if you're like, it, it's more, it, I'm, I'm not trying to discredit that, but that was, right. that was part of the, the, uh, Kind Maybe of, initially, but initially, I feel like they started they adding in. in so many jibs and shit. And like True. the year that I was doing it, it seemed like everybody was kind of in it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you have your Fergusons and you True. got your 
True. You're Dan, like Danny I, Davis. I, got I, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to discredit your skills. You beat Danny Davis. Yeah. Oh, he did. Okay. Oh, yeah. Then you know what? He's Throw Danny's, my statement out the window. <laughs> that was the initial thing. So no, no. Danny's on the podium. Like, yeah. And he was going off. Like, yeah. You beat Danny Davis. That's, we took him. We took him out. I don't wow. know what to say. That's okay. definitely a breakout moment. Yeah. Beating yeah. Danny Davis in a half pipe. Yeah. That was two Whether years it's in mini a row. Or like, large. I did two years of the mini pipe. Got first in that, and and then Bodie stopped doing it. I was like, what the fuck? You do the quarter pipe one? Uh no. I didn't yeah. do that one. I had to. Co- I was coaching or like gone maybe for that, that. one. Wasn't quite as good. The mini pipe runs. It also, was it runs or jam? Jam, jam. Yeah, yeah. The, the, it was so epic. Maddie Mo, like, mm-hmm. oh my god. The first couple were uh, the first couple. I know for a fact were no conventional half pipe riders, mm-hmm. and you had to do a run. So you have like dudes that <laughs> fucking do not do runs, <laughs> doing runs. But yeah. it was such. And then the jam at the end is always the best. Yep. Cause, and that's the thing. You know, I don't know whoever's listening that's hearing this, but. The thing about half pipe that makes it so incredible, I feel like, is the jam vibe. You brought that up with with Scotty James's episode, oh, totally. And we we missed it. like the run format is great, but the the vibe in a pipe it's unlike anything else when everybody's mm-hmm. hiking, right? For sure, yeah. And that like, I have a funny like Danny. Uh, the it wasn't the mini pipe, but it's the public pipe at Hood. Mm-hmm. There was like the right before the mini pipe contest, maybe on that in between that summer. There was like an a legendary session because I think it was maybe right around rat race too. And like Terry is in town, Russell Winfield's there, uh, Danny. And there was just this crazy squad of people that were hiking the mini, the normal pipe in the park. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just this training session basically. And I was like sitting there asking, like getting taught by Danny on how to do McTwist good, like down the pipe McTwist. Cause I could only do alley-oop at the time. And I'm just like absorbing pointers from Danny and then, like, right down the street, or, I mean, right down the line, like, a few days later, we're competing against here, and I'm, like, doing McTwists, and he's, and then I beat him. You peacocked him. Is what you <laughs> yeah, did. that's yeah. awesome. That was a yeah. full peacock. Like, <laughs> it was sick, dude. I was so hyped on that shit. But, yeah, the, just that vibe of hiking the pipe, it's like nothing else, because you're, you're right there in the action. Mm-hmm. And pipe's so impressive in real life when you're watching it, like... That's, I mean, it's like that with a lot of extreme sports when you watch it in real life. It's, like, way sicker. But half pipe especially. When you see someone who's on and they're just blasting in the half pipe, it's, like, unreal Especially when you're hiking up and they're blasting over your head doing something sick. Straight over your head. They're, like, right there. Right there. You can almost grab their tail. There's banter involved. There's always banter. A lot of banter. Right. And you can just drop from wherever. Like, you can either, in a con, like, mini pipe's the sickest contest because you could just go do one trick. One Or, like, try to get a good run down or whatever you want, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I think we should get into some hot takes. Let's do it. First hot take, MJ of snowboarding. Ooh, god damn. I always forget. I fully was not prepared for this one. Um, <laughs> you like to broadside you with this. MJ of snowboarding. I mean, I give it, I like understand where you guys are coming from with the JP situation, but I'm saying it's more Travis Rice. T Ricky. Yeah. Uh, there's no. Because uh, he's had a few, like, MJ had those, like, career, like, swings, and Travis had, like, his full. Top of the line contest, big air guy, kind of. And then, like, your community project, like, and then now, kind of what he's on now. I, I back I it. That. I can see the swing. I think that's a good answer. And he's such a rock star. Okay, next, uh, take beaver slaps in the lift line. I hit him big time. Got to clear that board out. You don't want your board being heavy on the lift. Okay, good schmack. What I'd about slap him? What about resi tip beanies? Resi, if you got the headphones in the back. Good. So if you're listening to this and not watching it, he's actually yeah. rocking. 
a kind of a mid-grade resi. Yeah. I don't do like a huge resi, but I do like to have a little tip up there. Yeah, if I was going to throw a tape measure, I'd maybe say like three three inch kind of yeah. excess resi. This guy over here has got like, a little more tip. Going. I like to run a heavy, heavy tip. Tall resi. When you're shooting photos too, sometimes your beanie creeps because you oh. keep putting your camera <laughs> oh. and it pushes your beanie up. So by the end of the session, you look like this gnome right you know yeah. to your left. Just like the gnome. That's how you know it's a good session. Yeah. If your beanie's... It's a good session, the resi's. <laughs> your beanie's really right. Your resi's high. fully erect. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> okay. Uh, next hot take one footers. Oh, yeah. I'm all about them. I love them. Um, but I, I guess I kind of have the hot take of like, I kind of do one footers a lot. So I like to like critique one footers a lot and I am pretty much not down for like tricks that you like, if you're going to unstrap, you need to be like utilizing the unstrap. So you either need to be like tweaking in some way that's not possible if you're both strapped in or like jumping off of your foot in some way, or like there has to be a reason for the unstrap. It's a great take. If you're just launching and you're just doing it just for the shock value of you that you have one foot in, that's kind of whack, I think. And it's very dangerous. That's the other thing. It's like I don't like promoting one foots because they're extremely dangerous. And like you need to have crab grabs and like know that you have to put your foot back on your board. And like riding with your front foot unstrapped is like fucked up. Yeah, that's like, next level, huh? Just think about how hard it is to get off the goddamn chairlift. Yeah, just in general. Foot. Right. <laughs> I think people see stuff on Instagram now and they're just like, oh, cool. Like people are just doing one foot like double backflips. Let's go. You know, like I can do a double backflip. Let's do one. Do one like, one foot and no, dude. Like you're gonna get played. Okay. Uh, next take would be the edge drag, the snowboard where you drag your board across the parking lot. I mean, it's really OG. It's an OG move. Huh? Yeah, I. I it's like if you see someone pulling that off, respect. But <laughs> I don't really. I mean, I do do it though. That's the thing. I've done it. Everyone's. We've done all it. done it. Everyone's done it. Energy drinks. Energy drinks. I mean. I like what they. I like that they dump money into snowboarding and they support all the homies and all that jazz. Um, they're obviously like terrible for you and for like the majority of like I think <laughs> kind of like what they represent is just like the amped up sugar culture of just like get it in your body now and like who gives a fuck about later. Um, but you know, I think that it's just sort of like it's totally necessary because we like. I've, all of our homies live off energy drinks, so I'm down for them. Live off energy drink money, for the record. Is what right. you're saying. Not, not off not the actual not actually, no, please. No, and that's the other thing. Be clear thing. about like, that. I hope that nobody is actually fooled by the marketing that these guys are, like, really drinking the energy drinks because none of them are. Like Not even, like, one here and there? I mean, for sure, one here and there. On a hungover like, day, maybe? Yeah, and I'll, I'll hit that shit, yeah, too. A, like, I'll hangover. sip a Red Bull if I got to drive or something, yeah. you know, but, like... They're not at the X Games drinking a Red Bull, yeah. like three a day yeah, during no their runs. You know. Next question, um, you know, I've got to take where I, I'm pretty pro uh, steroids and competitive snowboarding. Roids, roids. Um, I've never dabbled, but I would say <laughs> I don't think that it's a thing that we should be afraid of. I think that we should be inviting that into the sport, really, especially a competitive realm. If they're gonna keep pushing for bigger tricks and shit, like it's the only way to get know, to quad, right? Why not? Yeah. I'm, I'm standing behind mandatory <laughs> juice up. Um, oh, mandatory juice. Yeah, man, it's mandatory. <laughs> Sick. You're actually not allowed. You, to get, you get tested. You get tested. If they're you're, not in, you're, you're out. If you I don't like use that. roids, you're not allowed in the event. I'd like that. I mean, and maybe someone has done this, but same idea about like with weed and alcohol type situation and a snowboard event. Like mm-hmm. you have to be a certain level of drunk to like be riding or Just something a like small that. I think level that of drunk. did exist in something. 
Did it? World quarter pipes or something like That's a Bridges Possible. question. Last night we were thinking about like an offshoot of UFC. I was hanging out with my buddy Greg and he was saying, um, you know, you know, everybody gets in bar fights. Imagine if yeah, there's a yeah, bar. No. There's <laughs> a, <laughs> Have you ever been in a bar fight? Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm 0 yeah. 3. I'm 0 3. Yeah, I've lost three fights. Yeah, I'm horrible. So, shit. But, you know, like, you know, yeah, you go yeah, to yeah. certain bars, like, let's say, you know, college town, like, it's like big drinking night, right? There's going to probably be a fight. So, imagine you go to a bar, but then there's like a, a, a cage, like, a, for people to fight, you know, just oh, on yeah. the outside. So, and pe- two people that are like, you have to be mandatory, like, above the legal limit, shit faced. Like, you can't be on it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, when two people get, th- when they're about to squabble, you throw them into the cage. Everybody can watch. And everybody can watch. Yep. Basically, and, like the pterodome. It's like the pterodome. And th- two men enter, one man leaves. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think we should have a bar like that. Where I you, like that, dude. And, you know, yeah. you, you never know. You might get you might get into it. And Straight up, that would, I bet you that bar would go off. Yeah. I bet it would go yeah. off. But then yeah. you also realize when you watch people that aren't good at fighting fight, you can throw, like, four punches and you're gassed. So maybe it would True. actually suck for the Yeah, pandemic. they're, like, all out of breath. Everybody, like, there's no one left to watch. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a much better thing, though, than just crazy, like, unsanctioned bar fight breaking out. Yeah. Yeah. Every bar has a mandatory cage in the back. Put a little helmet thing on them, a little face mask. A lot of sparring mask. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next take, uh, old old Lil Wayne. (laughs) We are accepting investors right now. Uh, Yeah, old old Lil Wayne. Old Lil Wayne. Not even a hot take. This is just facts. He's the best. One of the best rappers of all time. New Little Wayne. We were like we were saying before the show. Interesting, but I'm not very down. If you were the president, would you have pardoned him? I don't even like understand how that happened. <laughs> Probably no. But I I just like can't I can't get behind the mostly just the musical shit. Like I don't really care. Obviously he's a crazy person, whatever he's going on in his life. I'm just I stick to the music. And I'm not as down now as I used to be. And he went through a really bad period in the middle. But at the beginning, best ever. Okay, last hot take we got is worst trend in snowboarding. Worst trend. um, Yeah, I think the worst trend is kind of like people just, I don't know if it's like being oversensitive or just not taking criticism uh, in the right way. But I wish that snowboarding was a little bit more how it used to be where you could, there was like an open discussion of something was whack, like people were kind of talking about it. And I kind of like miss those days where people, I felt at least a little bit more comfortable just to kind of be like, you know, there was like when Yo Beat was popping and you could just comment like the shit's whack or like that press, you tapped on that press. And that type of stuff just like doesn't happen anymore at all. I feel like, and if it does, it's like a whole big drama thing. And I wish we could get back to a point of just like everybody kind of just like calling people out for stuff and trying to like focus on what's really like cool. I don't know. That's a great one. I love it. There's a very fundamental, that book, the four agreements, one of the damn agreements. Don't take anything personally. Right. It's yeah, just, just simple, but we don't like, as a culture that doesn't exist. It doesn't really, exist. It, the culture is, Make sure you go out of your way to take everything personally. Mm-hmm. That's what the that's the social norm. Hundred percent, dude. And uh, uh, actually, dude, straight. I'm gonna change my answer. But what worst trend in snowboarding is like not watching what comes out because that I do it and everybody does it. And like, there's such dope stuff coming out all the time. And just because of our phones and stuff or whatever, no one has like the bandwidth to just watch it. 
And I, I, I struggle with it. I think everybody's struggling with it now. Like, oh, you put something out and you just feel like your homies don't watch it. And it's probably like true. And then I'm not watching some of the stuff my homies are putting out. And I'm just like, why, why is that even going on? Like, we all just need to be like, well, it depends on what, what you want. If you want to be a student of the game, right. for sure. Right. Know? But I hear shit sometimes where I'm like, yo, how's that video? And somebody's like, yo, it's trash. <laughs> yeah. Like, right, I'm not going to watch that. Right. But, like, it, it's not Should trash. I it's not trash? That's okay. what I'm saying. Like, you know. Yeah, there's probably some some good to all different projects. Right. In most cases. And, like. You gave it a fair chance. And then, and like, there, that's what everybody's saying about the shit you're dropping. That's true. You know, if somebody's one person just like, oh, that's just trash. And then it's like, oh. You know, I'm not going to watch it, whatever. That's a good point. It's true. I, I will just, say, Scott, I, I'd like to reach a point where we can all just watch something. Watch you know, it. Watch it and then judge, whatever. But there's so much I understand what's going on. There is a lot these yeah. days. A lot of watching, judging, look at the baby, look at the baby, if you will. I, I guess that's what it is. We need to watch, judge, and then be able to judge, like truly <laughs> judge, you know, because that's what everybody wants to do. Like you watch and then now we're not able to judge freely. Well, well, also, the, the thing we got to be careful of in this day and age is forming an opinion that's our own. I mean, we all catch ourselves, you know, we're, let's just talk snowboard in our little world, right? You watch your homies like, that video's trash. What do you do? Oh, that video's trash, right? So, the, I haven't seen the damn video, but it's trash. Exactly. That's my homie. That's my homie's too. opinion. <laughs> exactly, that's my homie's dude. opinion, right? So, so really, it's like don't just. And we're so influenced by our little core circle. Yeah. And you know, this goes into a broader conversation too. Whether it's like sports, bigger sports, or politics, or anything, and and you hear this shit, and all your whole circle says this, and then you just repeat what they said. That ain't your. So I'll give you another example. And I, this is a great. This is another example. I watch. Like, let's say I, I watch, uh, like, I listen to some Barstool podcasts or something, and they'll say, you know, they'll they'll say something about a pro athlete, and I'll take that information or their take back, and I'll repeat it to my friends as if it's my own. That shit isn't mine. Right. That's his, that's the dude from, yeah. from ESPN said that. Yeah, Stephen like, A. Smith said that. Yeah. That's his take. Just it's like, not my take. This is the abbreviated my version of yeah. the, what this guy said. People don't even have their own opinions anymore, but we don't realize it. You're like, no, that was that was mine. No, it wasn't. Yeah, no. Stephen A. Smith. No, it wasn't. That's true. So while we're talking about all these videos and uh, forming our own opinions and judging and watching and judging and looking at the baby, look at the baby, uh, I think it might be time for you know what, buds. Name that video part. So creepy. You know that's Justin Meyer's yeah, voice. Meyer. Yeah, he sw- he twisted it, made it slower, speed faster. Cre- um, he you, creeped it out. Sounds just like him. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, confidence level zero through ten. I mean, if I've seen it, maybe a ten. But if I haven't seen it, zero. Okay, that's a good answer. That's a great. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. It's kind of like if I know it, I'll know it. And but if then not, if I, I don't, don't, I haven't seen it. I don't. I probably won't know it. Yeah, just trying to be fair. honest. Um, so, you know, you're all this, you know, you said just for the record, not watching what comes out is, is the worst trend in snowboarding. It's a big problem. And I'm a culprit. We're going to, we're going to find out if you've been watching over the past 20 years, (laughs) every video that's come out. That's if it's like five (laughs) years old or more, I would have a good shot. Okay, here we go. Why? Stassinus. In two or yep. one? Uh, I'm actually not sure which given video. I two. just know it's Wyatt Stasinos in given. Dude, 
Wyatt Sassano's given. Yeah, that part. If you haven't seen that part, hit that shit up now. That's a sleeper. The whole video. That's I mean, a good the, win right both there. given videos, one and two, hugely inspirational mm-hmm. for me and my brother. Like, and that, like, if you don't understand Forrest Bailey, dude, hit that, hit those videos up, and then talk. And then let's talk. That's about That's the Forrest for, Bailey. formative True. Bailey. That's dude. formative Bailey. Oh my god! And also, that's a good in, point. In Watch prime Bailey, vids. game changing. Prime like time. Keegan Velika and Forrest Bailey dropped some heaters. I yeah. kind of like Berkey, skip over them, dude. Yeah. Berkey's parts in those, like, oh my god, heat. Okay, for makers. Part two of name that video part. This is for you guys, listeners, viewers. If you know it, you may or may not get a prize pack sent out from a us. Pouch of stickers. Which is a prize pack is a pouch of stickers. So don't get too excited. Here we go. <laughs> oh wow, that's a fucking hammer. Uh, you know, you can just say what it is and we'll, we'll beep, beep it out. It. Beep it. Is it? Did you grab me? Did you grab me? Definitely. I award that. you no points. Oh, <laughs> no. Mercy on your soul. It's, <laughs> it's gotta be. It's gotta be. I know it's correct. Yeah. Incorrect. God. I don't know. Give it one more. <laughs> Three, third time's a charm. Did you grab me? Dude, um, I don't know. That's correct. Uh, Third time's a chunk. All right, there's going to be a lot of beeps there if he beeped yeah. all those up. So uh, don't forget yeah, to give him his prize. Oh, yeah, shit. Dude. Hold on. Let me move all this stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got a prize yeah. pack. I yeah, forgot. Yeah, so yeah, you, get you were the, a winner. Yes. Yep, you dude. actually earned that. Wow. A lot of times we just give it to him as a participation. I know. I was like, I, so I answered it right and I don't get one. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you what we uh, we we run a loose operation here. Wow. There Inside there, we got a bombhole coffee mug. We got uh, a couple T-shirts. We got a cheddar biscuits T-shirt, big nice burgundy snowboard T-shirt. We Bro. got beanie, Uh-oh. all available Bomb at bombhole.com. Oh, we got a last Dang. last, last item. minute last these, minute stuff. These just came in. Some Dude, camo. These, these stickers are on fucking right. camo bombhole. <laughs> there it is. Yes, thank you. Yes. Yep. Check out bombhole.com if you want to get a couple stickies. He's throwing a fat resi tip over no, his head. Double resi. Well, that thing's sky high. Sky high. I'd be out of frame, honestly. <laughs> out of frame with the tip. When Damn, your resi tip's you, going above the ceiling out of, of frame, the, the camera frame, you got, you're that's talking a, a tall resi. That's legendary tip. Legendary tip. Okay. Um, I would like to get into while we're on the subject of videos. I'm gonna I'm gonna pre pre run this whole deal with kind of like a video nerd public service announcement because I love it. There there's kind of like uh, there's two types of snowboarders. There is there's actually multiple types of snowboarders. We're throwing people in a lot a, of types in a in a type of uh, a box. But let's just take a, a contest snowboarder for example. They can do a fourteen forty. Every single try. It's a different world. They train. They compete. Now, then you have your video parts where, you know, they go out. You, you, you can put myself in this category. You might take 300 tries to land some trick. You're, you're in the streets. You're filming clips. Sure. You know, it's a, it's a whole different beast, right? So that's my precursor of explaining this uh, question to the layman from Jesse Bertner. And the guest question is presented by Solomon Snowboards. Here we go. Yo, what up, Max? Bertner here. Yo, man, couple tricks in Greenberg that blew my mind. 
backflip nose press on the outhouse. That was a good one. And the line with the unstrapped finger flip. Um, I know you do what you want when you're popping, but <laughs> were these battles? Because I hope they were battles because they were insane. Peace. Oh, yeah. Thanks, partner. I, I, you know, that's the reason why I love filming and doing those type of tricks is just to like have some, a few people notice that type of shit, you know, cause the layman general person that those things just fly by, but there are those hardcores out there who just like, they notice the really impressive, crazy shit. And especially when you're unstrapping it, that's like that group gets smaller and smaller. So it's really like, thanks Jesse. That's awesome. Um, yeah, the the one foot line with the unstrap half cab, um, definitely a battle. But that was like a super fun day because we had Stan and like we were we were uh, that was when we were making Brain Bowl one first Brain Bowl and simultaneously like filming for Greenberg, and that was right when kind of like I had been getting a little bit of clips and sending Scott some shit. But we right before that we were stacking and he was getting all hyped up and like telling us to go film and stuff and then. We were, it was kind of on, so we were real motivated for that sesh. At least I was to like try to do some crazy shit and get into Greenberg. Like me and Freddie Perry were kind of both on that tip, like filming for Greenberg, but in a different location and kind of like on our own thing, just trying to fit in and like get tricks that we'd be hyped on. And that one definitely battled big time. It was half cab, one foot, like coming in switch with your right. I'm regular, so right foot unstrapped, loose, and then put that foot on the stump, grab Indy. With like your right hand half cab and then land, and it was you had to go dead straight pretty much, and then click the un- front foot out and then grab Indy off the jump finger flip land it and uh yeah it took a ton of tries and tons of times where I just like flew off the second jump with no board and then I don't even know how many tries on the half cab too but big time battle for sure. Um, you think triple digits or sing or double digits? Or? Double digits probably, yep. but um. Just slam, big slams. Like the half cabs on the stump was gnarly because it was a lot of impact and like I was only doing it with just just one strap, just my heel strap on so I could easily unstrap and it was just like really hard because I was riding in switch and like just trying to get it right. And then we're follow camming too. So there's one that I almost landed where Logan was like way behind me and we were like, fuck, dude. This let's, is give, like, let's, let's give Logie an uh, air horn because a follow cam yeah. on that many tries is like, yeah, that's heavy. he's in the battle he's, with you. That's why, like, he's Logan, invested. dude, Logan Blue, my hometown, one of my best friends, uh, he grew up in Washington, moved to Bend, and he's been my super good shred homie forever and ever and just sort of picked up a camera. Like, that was his first season really filming, and we just started sacking together and, like, made the Brain Bowl movie and then worked on Greenberg and... Now we're out here with Logie B and he's like hired on as the GNU filmer and he's just like crushing. So I'm fucking amping on that and uh, just really stoked for the future of filming with Logie because we're looking good. And he does just put those battles in. Like he hiked so many follow cams with me and just says like I owe him so much, dude. So definitely shouts to Logie B. Um, um, question. The, the back backflip. Nose yep. yep. There we go. Um, that one was like, that's a big time dream trick. Like, starting once i started filming i've always kind of had a thing where i really wanted to like get into a place where i could land a few tricks for like the first time try to get like an nbd or two and i talked about that with freddie perry that was like one of his dream tricks because we just always talk about how sick it is to like under rotate on purpose and then just hold it on a nose press like 
such a wild idea. It seems so scary, whatever. And he tried it, I guess, uh, on like some sort of a box feature or something a long time ago. Never could, never did it. And we, it's just a trick we talked about a lot. So that, uh, on the way up to bachelor, there's this little bathroom roof right there. And I, I had hit it a long time ago with like, uh, Rob Balding for keep the change, like OG, I think maybe the first keep the change movie. There's like a shot of Johnny Brady or somebody hitting that thing with me. Um, and I was hitting that with JD and them. And so I hadn't been back to it for like six years or something. And we went and checked it. It was just me and Logan and my homie Lucas walks and, uh, and Pete Alport too, Ben photographer guy. And he helped us. We built that lip up. It was so fucking scary. Like we did two tricks on that. The one foot, uh, like fast plant pretzel was on that same thing. That clip's sick. That was another one that I was like, I'd never done that. Never seen anybody do that really. And that was a really big, like scary spot to do it on. And, uh, so we got that the day before and then we came back and I was like, dude, I was staring at it, thinking about the backflip nose press the whole time. We're like, we got to just like, I, I want to try it. I think like I've never had done a flip onto anything that was hard before and just ended up going there and doing like, it took me a f- bunch of tries to like sack up to do a backflip 50 and did a few of those and then just like started trying to like under rotate on the note and then get into like a position where I could hold it. And there was a bunch where I front flipped off a bunch where I just slapped and there was like a, the vent pole right there. Super scary. Like I hit my hand on it really hard one time and those things smell like, I mean, it's a shitter. It's a shitter. There's always like when you get up near those things, it's you get a nice waft. Right. And that's Logie B too. He's up there with the fish (laughs) eye, just like chilling, (laughs) just right by the (laughs) chilling right by the shit. Just huffing, huffing poo. Yeah. But when I landed that, like it was, we, I had had Lucas there the whole time for the session and he was like helping me so much with doing this like side camera iPhone like slow-mo and we kept doing footy review and he'd be like dude you just have to like do it less and like try to like your nose isn't gonna clip you're gonna like get in and like just it's gonna work like I almost landed one and I fell on the landing and then he had to bail then it was just me and Logan and I was just like hiking up that thing like so scared just ready to do it and then just finally on one like just didn't flip fast and like I was so fucking scared, but committed and held the press up, made it off, landed. And as Lucas, who was just leaving, is like pulling out of the lot in the clip, you can hear somebody honking, and that's uh, like him pulling out right as I'm riding away. It's like epic, yeah. So that's that's awesome. and that's like definitely one of my favorite tricks I've ever done. As we're talking about this, it, it really there's something that's near and dear to my heart that maybe not all the listeners know, but there's all these different modes of operating as far as snowboarding. So you have you have some people that do contests, some people that film video parts. Within some people that film video parts, some people are really into cool spots. Some people are into cool kits. Some sure. people, and then you have this this group that you know you have Scotty Stevens, you have Max, you have throw Bodie Merrill in there, you have Bertner, you know, and I would say that it, it's it's heavily influenced by tricks. Like, and uh, I I really love when you're just saying I've I've wanted to do that trick for a long time. I've had it on my list. Like, I always had a trick list of. Yeah. I think of these innovative tricks and, and write them down on a piece of paper. And then it wasn't necessarily about finding the cool spot. It was about finding the spot for the trick. Mm-hmm. And I like, let's talk about, I know you operate that same way. Yeah. Correct? Big time dude. Like, and that is something I realized pretty much right off the bat filming with like my first few years filming with think tank, I would go on trips with like Niall Romanek and like Mitch Richmond and these guys that are just like down rail assassins. Like, any trick in the book they've got it you know and i would i was like 18 you know i could barely like my ankles all fucked up i'm like i can't like 
best with these guys on this down rail. Like, dudes are doing front three on. Like, what are you talking about? And I'm, like, trying to film for this video. So I almost out of necessity at the beginning kind of would just, like, gravitate towards things that I just didn't see very much of and try to, like, look for things that I thought would be cool and then I could pull off. And, like, my initial filming was so dictated by my ankle, like, I couldn't take big impacts and shit. And I really like wanted to go big. And like, I had this drive to do like big shit and be gnarly and stuff, but I just like couldn't do it. So I'd try to like get that same feeling by mini sh through mini shredding, which would mean like trying to do the craziest thing I can think of on like some small thing. And it really, a lot of the time would be like super frustrating and not work out or the clip would be whack or whatever. But then there you get these golden ones that are just like, it wasn't that dangerous, but it's really impressive and like super hard and, and no, and maybe like it's kind of an NBD. Like that's the ultimate goal. You NBDs had never been done for yeah, unfamiliar done. listeners. Yep. And I think that's like a huge, yeah. Checking those tricks off the list and then trying to like put your stamp on some sort of a trick is like, that's the ultimate goal. You know, do you I have a list? The coolest do, you, thing. do you have a list right now? Yeah. Like, yeah, big time. Oh well, yeah. Like it's written down. Um, I have like notes in my phone and I, I don't have like a checklist, but I no got, I've the got fridge, the, like I got the, <laughs> I have the just straight mental list. Like I just have these tricks that run through my head all the time and I'm just constantly like waiting for the time to do them. The spot yeah. has to show up the, for sure that you can do the trick on. I hear in Stevens, uh, somebody will do something like, yeah, fuck, I've had that one on my list for years. He Dude, fucking did it. Right. 100%. <laughs> and there's, there's up. like kind of race to the first. You know, yep. in certain like th this little world, like I'm you, you can put me in the Mitch Richmond category. I'm going, I'm right. going to the down bar. Yeah, you're but like, I see how you put you on a down flat down, uh, and you're gonna go dude, go uh, off. Like. I I see you guys go. I, I'm like, I see the spot. It is to me. We pull up. It's the biggest piece of dog shit I've ever seen in my life. It's like a rock or something. Oh yeah, like dude, I, I can't get a fucking clip on this thing. And then you guys are just like fucking racking them up, like yeah. throw the fish eye on, and it looks hundred percent. Yeah, and it, I like that aspect of like. I always think that that's like the sickest kind of pro snowboarder is somebody who can like show up at just a horrible dog shit setup and then just like bust out. Nice to have you that know? person on a trip. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, you can have that dude. one dude that'll shred anything and make it look good. Yep. You and know, it's going to work out a hundred percent. I, I think like hood has had a lot to do with that. And then just me like getting lucky and getting to film with think tank and these people who like kind of appreciated the like little mini shit was just like super nice because a lot of snowboarding especially at that time was like pretty anti mini shredding like and especially like i'm in a helmet i'm fucking like jibbing a playground in my video part like and i, and I even in my head at that time was just like i knew i had so much more in the tank i just wanted to like do something that people would think was cool and like that those guys were so awesome because they really did and like and it really is cool too i think like all that mini shredding shit is some of my favorite stuff to watch it was just like the era. It was kind of when like Breezy's doing huge gaps and like at that same time we're like over here like yeah. doing really small stuff. You know? When like, you compare it to Breezy's. Yeah, you know. But like that trip I did like of my first, like I was just talking to Zim, Zim Tim Zim the other day about it. Uh, a little air horn. Yeah, a little Tim Zim. <laughs> Photographer. Big time Mervin fam. Um, but my, that was my first like fast plant finger flip. First time I ever finger flipped anything was on that trip. And I ended up like with a little sequence, I think in one of in snowboarder or something about that with that, uh, which is just super sick, you know, dude, going back to some of this one footed stuff going, like I've seen Stevens and Bodie and, and some, a bunch of homies over the years, tries things like the, the fast plant or the, it's not a fast plant, but when you air one footer finger 
flip, whatever. Yeah, I call it a fast plant. Yeah, it's fast plant. Yeah, and and so like what people don't realize, a three second clip goes by, and you're like, oh wow, that was crazy, but like then it's gone, mm-hmm. and you don't realize that like maybe sometimes those take two, three days straight up of people going, years, you go up like, like everything has to go right. You got to air right. You got to yeah. flip the board, and then even landing on it, it's harder right away. But yeah. that, that's something that it, like the average person that snowboards watches the clip and has no fucking idea that there was three hundred tries that went into that. Totally, right? dude. And then like some, and that's what I'm saying. Like, and then even after those 300 tries like you have people that like Bertner and like Beresford and these people who are going to like call you out if you toe drag yeah on the make and you gotta get it perfect still gotta get it perfect. I've heard you're one of those guys too that'll session till either the camera dies or it gets dark pretty much like you're doing this then Scotty's the same way yep yeah I've always kind of been like that and it's I think hood is that it just like instills it and you ride until like the bell every single day you know Especially if the camera's out, like you're just you're doing this. Just do it. That's some think tank mentality. That is, yeah. uh, Yep. Just get it. Get as much as you can out of wherever you're at. Can we talk about the term uh, termiting? Yeah, for sure. Termiting. I haven't heard this. That's the think tank. Like that was Jesse put us on that term right early, and I love it. I think it's so funny. It's like you get into one spot, and then you just like tear it apart, like. There's a little tree over here, and we're going to get six clips on that. And then, like, we're going over this pillow, and we're all ripping it to shreds. And, and that's then, like, termiting. It's just, like, you leave the zone just destroyed, destroyed. in cinders. <laughs> like, you get you get all everything that's there, and you just eat it up. I it's like not that. quite – it's, like, kind of like Rambo season, but kind of on a different level. It's on a different – it's, like, yeah, like, how, physically, like, how many clips could we possibly potentially get mm-hmm. here right now? Like a you termite, know? you guys are just eating it until it's done. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I'm going to do a quick Patreon question of hit, something you hit a little mentioned. Page. A little page. Please. This is from uh, the Wizard of Chillville, which is a pretty it's sweet a great name. name. All right. <laughs> Max, give us an insight into your dome piece. How did you come up with the concept of Brain Bowl? Nice. So, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks Wizard. Of but, Chillville. Of Chillville. <laughs> That's <laughs> sick. I want yeah, check out Chillville. Sounds yeah. Like a dope zone. Let's get a Brain Bowl sesh going in Chillville. Um <laughs> Yeah, Brain Bowl initially was like, so same year as Susie Greenberg, we made uh, a video called Brain Bowl, and that was basically kind of just like my first attempt at making like a full-blown something myself, and ed- I really just wanted to like edit a whole video, and I had this vision, just so funny, because like it was pre that Stale video where he has like all those crazy transitions, mm-hmm. and then also pre like Instagram and uh, TikTok transitions, where now everyone is like super good at all the cool transitions. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to make the video like completely flow. So like all the clips would stop mid trick and we were trying to like film. So like you film a line with three tricks and the last trick is a front 180, And then like the next clip starts with the front 180, and you like cut it in the middle. And my goal was to like make the whole video basically flow with that kind of a vibe. So every clip would like, if it ends at a tree, it starts at a tree and like that type of thing. That's sick. And just really make like crazy, like mixtape vibe video. Um, cause I've been editing forever. Love, love to edit. And we did that. That was brain bowl. Was super awesome. Great reaction. And, and the other goal is to make like just a different kind of setup. Like we weren't hitting street spots and we weren't hitting powder basically like, and, or resorts trying to make it like free to do, um, and show people that you can just like go up and just with shovels and snow and make like a really rad top level, like snowboard video, just right wherever you are, you know? Um, no features involved or nothing. So, and it worked really good. We did like three sessions or something and filmed and made like a sick little video. I was really proud of it. Um, kind of funny. It's got like a good, I think it's got a great vibe. I like it a lot. And then 
coming into this year with the pandemic and everything and people like I was just questioning what this winter was going to be like and whether or not like anything normal would happen, you know, and we'd be able to do any sort of like shredding together. So it's just spitballing ideas of what to do and pretty much came up with like doing these brain bowl sessions, which would be the same ideas we were doing before where we were just privately filming brain bowl. But instead now we're just like have an Instagram post where we're going to be and what tight, what dates, times, when we're going up and invite whoever wants to come up to just come up and do it with us. So now it's like we show up, we have a zone picked and I'm like, all right guys, like build day, let's go, you know? And anyone who wants to come up can just meet us at the spot, come help build and like be a part of the whole thing. Like you want to come and film, we're going to put you in the session recap. Logan, I have Logie B making the set, these session recaps and it's just like whoever shows up, you get clips, you get your name in the video. It'll go up on like slush and all the mags or whatever. And kind of just trying to like create a little culture hub to like people that want to go up and shovel and maybe don't have a pass or don't have like, you know, don't want to deal with the COVID shit at resorts or whatever it is. That's cool, man. Yeah, it's pretty sick. And we don't, we've done four sessions this year, and we have a big one planned uh, in April in, at Mount Baker. I didn't so. understand that was the concept. Yeah, me and, I see, and you yeah. know, I got to commit. It kind of takes a long time to explain it, but if well, you follow the account, the you Brain know Bowl, what's up. Yeah, at Brain Bowl Sessions on Instagram, there's like info slides and like shit that really explains it good. But. And kids are showing up. Big time, yeah. And, and they got to build the session, I'm guessing. Yeah, right? you got to build it. We we all build it together, and then we have a committed time period of, like, that we're going to be there in film for, like, these four days. Yeah. So if you want to come, that's, like, the one that's really popping. But then we're just going to leave, and, like, we always encourage people to maintain the setup, yeah, keep, keep shredding, shredding it, yeah, and just keep it up. So there's now there's, like, dope. there's two at Bachelor, and then there's one up at Hood, and there's one in Snoqualmie, and I think they're all kind of still hidden. That's really cool. Yeah. I got to commend you on something there because I think every snowboard kid, or probably anybody in any walk of life can relate to, is it like humans in general, but especially in snowboarding and skating and stuff, it's like, it's clicky. It's For a sure. clicky deal, right? You go to your local hill, you're maybe not vibing with someone, you want to be friends with them, but they're vibing you out, right? And there's cool kids or whatever. Yeah. I, I feel vibed out by so many people in snowboarding, 100%. right? Like, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm like yeah, fucking... vibes just flying there's, around. Just vibes. And when so, it could even be in your head, too. You, exactly. You could just be, don't know them, and yeah. everyone else knows each other, yeah. so you feel vibes. So in this world of, like, and then everybody, like, you know, you see a lot of people preaching inclusivity, but they're still clicky as fuck. So it's, it's so cool to see, like, no, 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 like, we're not saying we're inclusive and just... And then going home and being fucking clicky to everybody else. Right. We're actually just like, show come on up, up. Come, yeah. come on up, up. come yeah, kick it, big and, time. Yeah, and that's like some real shit. That's and we're like really trying to push that vibe with the edit too, not mm-hmm. just the thing, but like you get in that you get up there and it like we've had some. This girl did like her first stall, and it's like mm-hmm. she's in the recap next to all of us with like her name, you know, and the recap's ten minutes long. And it's got some like beef footy. Yeah, she showed up. But she got a sh- shot. Exactly. For her, she's it was there dope. And she's ripping, dude. Yeah. Like it's huge. And I I just think that that's really like what it's all about. And what a cool way to just learn what it takes, you know? Right. From you guys. Show up. And then like I always try to orchestrate it. We'll at least have some sort of a dope photographer there. And so everybody kind of comes home with like some sick a shot. Photo, you too. know, something from that Zim shot. Like hopefully you know. Zim's resi tip is like sky high by the end of the session. Dude, the, <laughs> he's, <laughs> got, <laughs> he's been running the steam dome. 
What's the steam dome? It's like when you're really sweaty shooting and then you whip off your hat and you're you're just steaming. You're steaming. You're oh, straight yeah. steaming. There's this clip of him from the Qualmy uh, Brain Bowl in the recap. Of, it's really humid over there. That, Dude, you can get steam dome yeah. to the maximum. I've actually seen Buds. <laughs> where did, were we in, in, Finland. We in Finland? He was ruining photos because there's so much steam coming off his body. I had to like take off almost <laughs> yeah. all my layers. His pants were down. His pants were down. <laughs> I had to like cool down my corn temperature because the steam actually Buds, got in the way dude, of a photo. Chill on the steam. <laughs> it was a it was a banger spot too. Banger so he's spot. Down there, he's down there in just his white tee. It's like, like sorry guys, just... white tee and boxers at the spot. <laughs> I'm just really sweaty. <laughs> it was like a rainy day almost. You know, it was very dude. humid. Oh yeah. Oof. Ooh, buddy. Steaming it's like hot the, out there. the chicken we bought later. It was the spot. yeah. yeah we was... had some steamy chicken. He's like, I'm feeling like <laughs> I was feeling like this chicken earlier. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The, you get all sweaty and steamy. And I, I'm in the mood for some chicken. Oh yeah, <laughs> let's go get some Finland chicken. So, while oh, we're Finland. one thing, one thing you breezed over real quick uh, that I thought was is really cool and uncommon. You know, in our in our world of filming video parts, uh, you rock a helmet, and you've always rocked a helmet. Yeah, buddy. Let's dive into that. Yeah, I think it started. I mean, that definitely like started from my parents, and I'm sure Gus and I were like resistant at the beginning to wearing helmets, and they were just kind of like, "Well, you guys have to wear these if you're, we're going to take you up to the mountain or whatever it is." Um, but then, uh, as everybody does, eventually you reach a point where you like actually are making your own decision, and you're like, "No, I'm just going to take it off like as soon as you leave," you know? Um, Classic move. Yeah, exactly. I think everybody's been there. And I don't think that that's really a bad thing because I think that you need to like make those decisions and learn from that. And maybe you take your helmet off and just like smack your dome on the first run and that's how you learn your lesson or whatever, you know. Or maybe you get away with it and you learn how to fall and you just like never wear one. You know, it's flip-flops. But the way I see it is I I just don't see any negatives at all for wearing them. Um, and I'm glad now that like there's less of a stigma than there used to be in pro snowboarding and like hardcore snowboarding for people that wear helmets. Um, and I, I give it like huge credit to like Jesse Bertner and Jesse Paul and like some of these other people who like have worn helmets for a lot of their clips and like people Reese, like people that still get serious clips and like people that have good style and wear helmets. Cause there's not that many, like it's really fucking rare. So anyone that has done that um, before me and, to pave that rip path and make it like a little bit more comfortable for someone like me to come in is like just amazing. Um, cause yeah, coming up, there's a lot of pressure to not wear a helmet, dude. And yeah, I was like, going to ask you that there was pressure huh? a lot. Yeah. And I felt like I straight, like didn't, I don't know, didn't get offered some opportunities that I maybe would have or certain brands and sponsors or whatever. Just like, not that it's like open hate, but just like, like, why is my homie that doesn't wear a helmet getting this or whatever? Like, and I'm no one's like reaching out or whatever it is. Like, especially within like different filming crews, mm -hmm. like that's some clicky shit that like is beyond, you know, you can't bring like the helmet guy into the crew of non helmet guys. Yeah. Whatever. That's like, real shit. Straight that's up. True. Like, it sucks, but I just think it's so real. Like, you got to acknowledge it. Um, but I do think it's getting better and better. And I think that helmets are getting better and like there's more people wearing them and. It's just becoming, people are starting to just not care as much, I think, uh, just about, like, the style. Well, it's probably because of people like you that are actually wearing them, because now... I hope When so. I see a photo of you or a video and I see you wearing a helmet, I'm so used to it, I don't even think exactly. twice. I don't think Dude. anything. It's and just that's, like, like part my, of the deal. If I had one takeaway from, like, advice of how to just, like, wear a helmet, it's just, like, put it on day one and then don't shred without it. Just don't it, right? Just don't do it, yeah. yeah. Like, just shred with your helmet always and, like... 
I never like <laughs> straight up. I'm never annoyed by mine. Like I just love it. Like you do your goggles don't ever get foggy. You just throw them up there. You're warm all the time. Like if, if it's a hot day, I'll wear a skate helmet. If it's like a normal day, I wear a snow helmet. I wear pro tech helmets. I like them a lot. I never thought about that. The goggles not fogging up. I just yeah. recently switched over. I'm helmet. Oh, yeah. Guy. Yeah. Nice. Cause I, yeah. uh, I was even in this exit episode. I was you, yeah. you're talking about. You guys talking about how you're not going to wear one. I was going to started wearing one. I was going to bring that up on here a little. I had that in mind. No, totally. And Chris has been rocking the helmet. I, I got another. Dope. I got another concussion, and okay, I had. Okay. I've got like three brain cells left. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? You know what? Well, I it should... sounds like they're working. At least <laughs> <laughs> they're firing. It's like a hard drive, you know, and like you've. It's like about to short out. Right. And it's like all the space is full, and it like, like you get the spinning wheel of death and. Like we like, need to do something. Yeah, it's like need to make this hard drive is about to shit the bed. We gotta put a we gotta put a case on this thing. Yeah, so. and the concussion thing, like it's, I've had a bunch too. I think I've had three kind of serious ones throughout my life, and two I was wearing a helmet. One I wasn't skate. I got one skating, but um, and sometimes I wear a helmet skating, but a lot of time I don't. And I think that just the fact of being strapped in is like why we need a helmet on for snowboarding. Skating is a lot easier to fall, you know. Um, but yeah, I think that it's fully possible to get concussions wearing a helmet, obviously. And the ones that are made for snowboarding and have that foam that cracks is better to wear. Uh, but if you don't want to wear those cause they are bulkier a little bit or whatever, the skate helmets are great, dude. And if you hit your head on like the stairs, it's not going to split open or like a tree. It's not going to swell. It's like, you just hit your head. And I've done that like. I don't know. So many times I hit my head so hard on like the roof the other day and I was wearing my helmet and it's, I was fine, you know, but mm-hmm. it, that kind of a hit with no helmet on, I would probably like have a split open head and like be so bumped, you know, when it could change your personality. Nobody knows the long-term effects of these concussions. It's yeah. a pretty serious deal. Yeah. I th- and I think we're all exposed to concussion risk. Like anyone is because you get in your damn car, you're exposed to it. I mean, exactly. literally you could go, there's a lot of things there. Hundred percent, but it, it's a step to help against that, and then it will stop you from like splitting your head open or getting a huge bruise or whatever it is, you know, black eye. Like, and it that's that's dope, you know. If it's gonna stop totally. that from happening, like, and your homies don't have to deal with that. Like, fuck yeah, it's a good point. If they can make <laughs> yeah. it, the only my only issue with the helmets is like, I can't rock off sky high resi tip beanie. They oh, need, they, can they make a helmet with a built-in resi? Built-in resi helmet. You think we should start that with Bommel resi, resi helmets? Extra padding, that would be great. Yeah. Remember those helmet hats they had for a second? Oh, my God. Dude, <laughs> Burton made those? Those are <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> the helmet, the helmet resi you hat. You can still oh pre and post session rock your resi tip, you know? What if we did, no what doubt. if you did helmet hat, resi, it's just got a little strap that buckles around? Sounds yeah. great. Dude, we got to get some R and D going on this. R and D. We're looking for investors. If anybody's uh, <laughs> wants to, yeah, we got the cage fight in the bar, and then the new helmet. Any venture but, capitalists are listening, um, dude? Well, straight up. Oh, they're listening. <laughs> Any big companies that are listening too? Like I, I'm so frustrated with the helmet game in general. Like being a rider who's worn one the whole time, and and where I wear goggles like most of the time, I shred. It's like they don't want to like push helmets to snowboarders because they think that we all don't want to wear them no matter what they look like or anything. And I just think that like, if there was a big marketing swing from some brands to like, just promote a cool looking helmet and like get a dope team together and like do it how you would do with any other brand you're trying to blow up. 
I think that like now's the time and people are ready for that. Like, yeah, there's a lot of kids. There's a changing of the tides with helmets. And there's just only like, I'm not sitting here saying that helmets look cool, you know, like, but there's some all black ones that look like, okay. And I think we could do a lot better than we're doing right now in terms of like the vibe of helmets in general. If more people just like, if there's a little money or something and some brands and that wanted to like support freestyle snowboarding where, and like being in a helmet. I don't know. They'd probably sell a ton. I think so. Yeah. I think it would pop. It's an interesting generational conversation because it's just like, yeah, we grew up like I, I grew up like it just wasn't. We just didn't rock with them. Like it was like, nah, the people that I look up yep. to don't rock them. There was like and, one and, summer at Hood where I wasn't rocking mine just for like the swag because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to wear it. You know, I got good hair, whatever. I'm <laughs> feeling myself. Like I don't want to wear this thing. And then winter came back around, and I was like, nah, it's whack. Like I'm getting back in this shit. Yeah, resi tip, uh, resi tip helmets. It'd be interesting. We'd have to get some R and D done. It's hard to picture. Yeah, <laughs> and I gotta say, I'm kind of dude. Straight up, it's hard to picture in my head how this is gonna work. You know, <laughs> and that that is so. The resi tips, like you're not supposed to fucking wear the helmets underneath beanies, is what everybody says. You know, and. And then there's all these like weird little quirks that people like to like just nitpick at helmets. Like, oh yeah, it's not actually like you don't need it if you're adding powder. Like, it's actually worse in slush, or you know, you can just wear like. Who's saying this? They're just making this up, or people just make that stuff up. I think yeah. I don't really know. Like, why would that make any sense? You know, right? And like maybe <laughs> sure, I could see like there's people say like double impact stuff, and if it's loose fitting, it could be worse. Maybe uh, but in powder, you still can hit a tree. Exactly, dude. Yeah. And I'm just sick of people making excuses to not wear a helmet. Like, if you don't want to wear it, just own it up and be like, I don't want to look like a dork. Whatever. There it is. Like, you know, like, that's the real reason. It's not because, like, you're safer without the helmet. You know? Yeah, that's that's obvious. Yeah. Going, going <laughs> yeah. back to uh, one other thing that's kind of funny on helmet culture is, like, I like when they're, people are, like, they, they're wearing the hood and they're, like, trying to hide it. Yeah, hiding. It's, it's like, you're, Giant if, you're, if you're wearing it and you got is the hoodie on. Is that what Jed did forever? Yeah, that he, was a Jed move. He kind of pioneered that like, move. He looked good, though. Dude, and that was... I His mean, ride was so Bur- bummed, Burger and, and Max, they were... Helmet culture was bombed. On that. Really? So bombed. When, when he took Jed's the helmet. He was kind of hiding it? It was huge. Like, that That made me feel so comfortable. Like That he, he was wearing a that helmet. That he was wearing a helmet. Exactly. Like And just the Protex Street helmet. Like And everybody was fucking with him still. And that, like, that was huge, dude. And then when he start, stopped wearing it, I was already, like, kind of a stat, like okay with my own helmetness at that point <laughs> you know but like he was and then he was like no i'm not down with it anymore and i'm like oh so yeah, does he like, not wear oh. one anymore he no, doesn't rock yeah one. he doesn't rock one but yeah he was know. really he was pushing and i, mean, I always felt like that for the culture for me that added to how hardcore and sick chad was yeah so i'm like dude he's out there doing the shit and he's wearing and a he's helmet. rocking like, a helmet and he's like the top dude in the streets badass like I mean, you got to give it up for Jay, yeah. though. He's one of the goats. Straight up. And to be to be kind of validating what you're saying, too, is, like, I've seen behind closed doors, I've heard companies be like, we can't put that dude yeah, on. He, ro- he rocks too. a helmet. You know, yep. that's straight up. That's that for people that are listening. Like, why don't people wear that? Those are conversations that have happened and yeah. that are happening still. They like, happen in private. We can't put this dude on. He rocks a helmet. Like, straight so that you're, you're, it limits your sponsorship opportunities. 
that's fucked up in culture, but let's call a spade a spade. That's that's a real thing that happens. I know, dude. And that and yeah, people don't talk about that. It gets just like swept under the yeah. Rug. Just like we're gonna not. People but get told to take them off too. Yeah, I've seen that at a spot, harsh. dude. Like at a spot, somebody a filmer or somebody telling you to take your helmet off. Like I've seen that happen and been like, dude, you couldn't live with that. Yeah. Imagine if that dude smashed. Yeah, if that his kid head smashed his dome, that, dude. Let's talk Icon Pass. Now on sale, claim the best deals of the season before promos go away and prices go up on May fifth. Own the season, own the stories, own the stoke. For winter 21-22, unlock access to more than 40 Icon Pass destinations where you can explore wide open spaces. I personally like to explore Brighton Resort. I like to check out Snowbird. With exclusive spring savings and purchase options, including special pricing for 2021 pass holder renewals and a payment plan from $0 down and 0% APR, your season of stoke is closer than ever. Explore pass options and take advantage of limited springtime offers before promos go away and prices go back up on May 5th. Let's talk about their options, buds. The Icon Pass for $999, unlocking the most days, the most mountains, and no blackout dates. The Icon Base Pass for $729 opens up a season of adventure with limited blackout dates and the Icon Session Pass 4-day. For only $399, allows you to kickstart your ride. As with last year, every Icon Pass comes with adventure assurance, including credits in the case of a COVID-19 closure, and the option to defer the value of an unused pass, no questions asked. Every moment spent in the mountains is a new opportunity for discovery and connection. Connection to the mountains and connection to each other. Own the stoke today for the best prices of the season at IconPass.com. Should we uh, pivot? Let's pivot, dude. You know what I want to talk about? Swivel. Yeah, we'll do a swivel. Uh, we'll do, let's do a swivel. Um, first of all, you're married, which is awesome. Yeah, congratulations. And <laughs> when uh, did you get married? I mean, thank you. <laughs> I'm congratulating myself. Yes. So, for one thing I think is cool, we don't talk about a lot, is like managing a relationship in a pro career in any sport is hard. No doubt. And shouts. To your wife for putting up with your travel. How do you guys balance the relationship of uh, you being gone all the time and yep. her putting up with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so major shout out to my wife, Alex Uvali. Yeah, Alex Uvali Warbington. I'm actually Max Uvali Warbington now. Sick. You, know? you took her last name. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's so yeah. dope. Yeah, I never we, heard of that. We got a hyphen. So That's yeah. cool. You Whatever both that. hyphenated. Yeah, we both hyphened up. That's cool. You got a fucking hyphen? You guys hyphened quote? up. What's that quote? You got a fucking iPhone? <laughs> hot tub time machine or something? Oh, hot tub time yeah. machine. Great movie. movie. Great, Great movie. movie. Um, yeah. So yeah, we got married uh, on July thirty first, mid mid quarantine. That was a wild experience. We did like uh, we got engaged in August um, in twenty nineteen down in Mexico, and that was. Wild time. I had a pretty funny, like, last-minute engagement decision. I, like, brought the ring with me on this trip because I had a feeling, and it was, like, right around our normal anniversary. Uh, and we had a crazy trip, and then we got presented with, like, a bonus day. And I didn't pull the trigger because, like, shit just kept not lining up. We had, like, this horror. We went to the most romantic spot, this, like, cenote cave thing. We're in, like, the Yucatan. And, uh, and it's, like, this basically private tour. It's, like, supposed to be us and one other group. And it's like the worst fucking tourist family you've ever been around in your life is the one other group that's with yeah. us. And I'm like, I have this small bag and we're going down to like swim and I have the ring and everything with me. Alex has no clue I have it with me or all that. 
And these people are just blowing it for me, like so bad, crying babies and everything. I'm like, no, I can't do it. And so I basically gave up on doing it for the whole trip. And then we're like sitting there that night and we're like, holy shit, we have a whole nother day here. We're not leaving until like day after tomorrow. And we had a whole extra day. And then I did it that day. And like, it was just funny. The whole process was the hilarious story. Long story for another time, but got engaged. uh, And then we got married and Alex is great, man. I met her at High Cascade. She kind of like was going through a life switch and had just moved to Portland and then got a job up there and was kind of like new into snowboard industry just a little bit. And so she was like just dabbling in it enough to be like into going snowboarding and stuff, but doesn't know like the whole culture the way I do. And like that some girls that I've dated or whatever has. Um, and yeah, it's our like relationship is so easy, dude. I don't know. Like just kind of right off the bat, I really like, I was just like crushing on her super hard at hood and, I I had already been there for like five years or something at that point and was pretty like comfortable and shit. And I was looking at her like way out of my league basically. And it was kind of like my summer goal to just like try to hook up with her at least at the end of the of camp or whatever. And like <laughs> pretty much pulled it off by like session four. We were sort of like dating and then she was kind of like already moving to bend and like worked for air blaster. And I'm like, what's okay. Like what's going on here? Like, this is just like perfect. I don't know. You're a fucking awesome. And and uh yeah she moved there and then like after camp it was maybe six months or something then she was living at my parents house like just posted up and we bought this rv together i remember that dude we parked this rv at my parents house for like and just posted there for two years of like it was so awesome uh living together in that thing and we remodeled like this whole area landscaped this whole area made ourselves this cute little yard and everything and saved money up and then we sold that thing and that then in october we bought a house like uh in bend with the help of my dad and it's so great so now yeah all wifed up and got a house in bend and i'm just like so stoked dude i can't even believe it now when you got married i saw you rocked a pink tuxedo Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we were rocking the pink i had a few different options because we were we did a small uh wedding real you know it was right in the middle of covid so i think we had less than 30 people and we were still pushing that and we did it outside like just in the woods we did a really fun like just went to a spot that we would go mushroom hunting because Alex and I are both really into mushroom hunting and found this one spot that we liked and we made everybody like gear up and then hike up there. It's like a trek to get up there, like up these steep cliffs, like not cliffs, but like steep ass, like ferns and in right in the forest, you know? Uh, and that's where we did the ceremony, which is like some of the best local fam, local fam and uh, friends. And it was just all time, like so magical, the whole place it seemed so wild to be around friends in the forest, like at that time. And we just made the decision to get married because we didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. Like we had this big plan to do a big homie wedding, whatever, like do it all normal style. And I'm now, so glad we did what we did. I have a question now was, was Chompy a part of the ceremony? <laughs> Chompy didn't make it up for the ceremony, but <laughs> he should have uh, had the ring tied. Chompy should have been the, yeah. the uh, <laughs> ceremonial. Yeah, the ring bear. We had uh, my dog. Alex and I got a dog, Hamilton. Hamilton James Beans. He was the ring bear. Oh, he was? Okay. Hamilton James Beans? Yeah, yeah. Hamilton James Well, that's a person name. I like that. Hamilton James Beans, Uvalde Warbington. Wow. Yeah. What are the initials? HJ. Start off. That's a good. That's a good. HJB. You know, oh, like it. Boy. Wish, yeah, wish Chompy was the priest, but yeah, yep. actually we had got ordained. Uh, and, <laughs> dude, we got Chompy ordained. Move from uh, ten barrel pub beer was our officiant. 
she oh. officiated the wedding. So, oh, sick. so was it was it kind of a breakout moment presented by Pub Beer in the middle of it? But <laughs> it was in, yeah, you could say my wedding was my breakout moment <laughs> like, presented by Ginger. <laughs> Hashtag cheap fun beer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Alex is awesome. Dude. She, I have never met anyone like her. She operates in a cool way, and she does a bunch of art, and she's constantly trying to learn and stuff, and she's getting really into, like, language right now. She's, like, fully committed to learning Spanish and, like, looking at – we're both looking at, like, buying a little place in somewhere in Mexico to just, like, start, like, putting some roots down there sort of or something. I don't know, but there's the future's bright, and I'm just, like, really stoked. Love I love Alex. She's great. That's awesome. For one more air horn. <laughs> one more little air horn. Now we're going to use the word swivel. I'm going to swivel into a new topic. <laughs> I like that. Um, swivel, because what's a pivot? If you're pressing and a swivel is if you're not pressing. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know the logistics <laughs> of that, but I like that's what, it. That's what I would say. So sw- swiveling along, one of your coolest things I think you've done, and I've never been a part of, is called quarter pipe camp out. You just weren't invited or? I always hit you with the invite. I'm. Sh- I don't know. Probably. Who knows? I'm bet- I bet. slid that invite over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm sure I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not trying to guilt trip the invite. But it seems like a great, uh, a great event. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Explain like, what it is for the layman. So it's called the QP Campout or the Quarter Pipe Campout. Um. It is basically one single quarter pipe, which is a feature you hit like straight on half pipe style thing where you come straight at it. Yeah. Quarter pipe. Uh, and that's the main focus is just one big old quarter pipe and we'll add some jibs in there, do an all day long contest. And then that night we camp out, uh, just right there in the parking lot, right, right at the bottom. We have a private parking lot. It's like in a closed off section of bachelor lodge. So there's no public. It's just invited homies and, um, and local shredders and stuff. And yeah, we did four of them like super successfully. And then the last two have just been like postponed because of the world being all crazy. But the last one we did was just, like, out of control. You know, 100, 100 plus people, and we were in this little yurt. It's just, like, the vibes are extremely high, and we do all-day-long contest, and then do awards, and then big party, and then late-night awards, which is where things really hit. We do another round of awards at, like, midnight, and it just is, like... It's a perfect concept. Seems like people are mind. sleeping in their campers in the lot, hammering beers, RVs. Hammering beers. And then the next day, the quarter pipe opens up for like the fun day and the full filming day where you're like trying to stack and everyone's all hungover, but we still have music and shit up there. And it's just. I heard the late night awards are pretty sweet. Late night awards, yeah. Well, exactly. What goes on in the late night awards? Late night. So the normal awards will come out with your first place men's, women's. Mm-hmm. You know, we have some cash normally. We, we like to do a bag of cash. That's kind of the sing- signature QP camp out thing is not telling the rider how much money they won and you give them a bag of loose random bills and they just have to count it and that's how they figure it's it out. normally around a thousand dollars ish give or take give, <laughs> or, give take. or take but it takes like it's gonna take you a minute to count like um so that's fun but then late night awards comes in and that's when we're like you come through with this big shout out to tokyo starfish uh that's the local <laughs> weed shop and bend that i ride for their big sponsor the qp they hooked it up last time with just like stacks of pre-rolls and oh, wow. like you know they're coming in like we did a what was it best plant got a we did best plant and worst plant and worst plant got a bag of really good weed best plant got a bag of just straight like sticks <laughs> <laughs> just like horrible shake weed um and yeah so it's just a lot of like you know it's definitely like a big insane party and we'll come out with like we have a always a some sort of a bong and like a beer bong prize for the first because the first place people get like another round of prizes that's just for the late night awards wow and then we'll give out other awards like 
we try to like Curtis is always there and normally never shreds. And so we like give him an award for no, not doing anything. Not doing and, anything. Yeah. Like <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> Curtis Cezak. And that sounds I, I remember awesome. one thing I always sticks out is uh Stark on the mic singing a song about Mike Rav. Yeah. Mike. Yeah. If you watch, like if you go back and watch like the Forrest Bailey, like FSBS thing for them, the QP or any of the QP recaps recaps, you'll, uh, you get to hear some Stark on the mic. He's making up songs and just going off. Last time was it Mike Rav's a regular guy with a regular life or a regular dude? It's like it? coming Mike Rav coming through. Mike Rav, where are you? Yeah, just a regular guy from a regular town. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, at one point he goes like skitty booty booty. It's like it's so good, dude. Fast times of the mic. Yo, Mike Rav in your face. My grab, total disgrace. My grab, go and twitch. Everyone knows my grab is regular. Coming from a regular town. Regular yeah, man yeah, never found. Yeah, this yeah, is my grab. My grab. My grab. A regular guy from a regular town. He's rapping. He's planting. He's coming around. My grab, coming into town. My grab, leaving in the go. My grab, here we go. Welcome to the Quarter Pipe Show. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, John. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Dropping from the woods to hit the rhythm pipe. Everyone knows it, it's gonna be all right. I'm a regular guy from a regular town in my telling pants. Mike Grab, here we are. Mike Grab, where are you? Mike Grab, come on over. Mike Grab, where are you? Peekaboo, 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 peekaboo. Mike Grab, where are you? Peekaboo. Peekaboo, yo, straight from the bottoms of raps. Everyone knows that I take the caps, the stems, the billows, and everyone's shaking. This is what I tell straight from the bacon. Thanksgiving turkeys. Everyone's uh, leaving the turnkey. Back up, here we go. My crap. That sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, and I, John had a little freak out, though, last time because uh, he had ingested too much fungus. Oh, yeah. Uh, pre pre contest. You see that, and then he he felt like he caused a slam because my homie JD Dennis, like absolute legend shredder from, and he's multiple time victor of the QP camp out. Was he was dropping in, and he had like was I don't know if he was already thinking about trying to double or whatever, but it's just like the way that the song was lining up, and there's nobody dropping, and Stark was hyping him up, like getting him so juiced on the drop in, and then JD tried to double, and like basically just clipped dome like on the quarter pipe and knocked himself out and it like looked like he fucking died like it was oh, he was unconscious bad slam oh no and on the way in stark said something like it's now or never like something <laughs> like that like some some just like ultimatum like you have to land it and he didn't land it and then like john basically just like dropped the microphone and like walked into the woods and he was like gone on this crazy dark mushroom trip for like two that he long. caused it yeah, because he was like thought he caused this, and slam, I'm sure dude. he didn't even hear him. Probably, yep. when and then dropping he, it, he, he eventually recovered from that, but he was kind of shook up. <laughs> I have a question about the QP camp. Have you ever considered making it a mandatory steroids event? Mandatory like steroids. Maybe the next time. Maybe yeah. the next. Have time. everybody kind of just get juiced up before they like? We could have you guys like there to make sure we could be administered. <laughs> we could be administering <laughs> the steroids. Yeah, really administer. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of another contest, I heard you guys have a shrine to duct tape. 
at your house. Dude, yeah, definitely. Your family combined as we, one crazy we, uh We just were lucky. My parents are smart. Logan Logan Blue and his parents are kind of on this same program, and, like, Sweeten, I'm sure, is the same way where they just started taking us to the LBS. We found out about that contest kind of when we were little, and we were still, like, not in the pro categories. And so there were some opportunities. Like, Gus definitely has more than me, but those age group duct tapes – like How many between the two? They still look the same as the pro duct tape, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's the same role. I think we've got to be, a, there's got to be like six or seven probably at the house. Wow. Yeah. Some firsts, some seconds, some thirds. And then that so, big uh, wave dude, challenge, Just too. to be, be honest, I, I'm so unfamiliar with turn culture. Um, There's the duct tape you get when you win the bank slump? You win yeah, the, it's the, the trophy. Baker. It's the, oh, it's the trophy. Golden. Silver, bronze, duct tape. It's the like actual little, award. Yeah, little awards. Oh, thing. okay. Did not know that. Sick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big deal. That's in, your, north, some your Northwest yeah, crowd. I'm probably... Some turning circles. I may be canceled in the Northwest. Your Northwest <laughs> crowd. People are unsubscribing yeah. to the podcast. He doesn't speak. know what the you duct just tape went, is. Oh, God. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Bail, 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 bail. Yeah, sorry, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to get into a Patreon question. And just so the uh, listeners and the video watchers know, Patreon is a subscription-based program where people uh, get a bunch of free merch and sign up. They also get kind of insights behind the scenes to uh, what we're doing here. They know who the guests are. They're able to ask questions, and uh, it's kind of part of the bomb hole community. Um, we got a question from Jake Price, who's actually been on the show, which, oh, is, which is pretty cool. Kind of a bendite as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. He says, hey, Max, big fan and proud of you and all you have accomplished in your snowboarding, especially coming from, how do you pronounce your hometown, Tumalo? Tumalo. Tumalo. Brain Bowl, quarter pipe camp out, numerous air blaster videos, but when are you going to get Shorts and Shades 11? Give the people what they want. Wow. That's a big one. Well, I mean, Jake being there uh, at the Shorts and Shades 10 premiere, which was probably second greatest day of my life. Maybe. Maybe first. Sorry, Alex. Next year wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. So Shorts and Shades, like that, we did that for 10 years. Like, um, and we've been done now for like four. So we started that when I was young. 10 years of videos straight. They've been the same formula the entire time. Just savage shredding with like metal music. And we're wearing Shorts and Shades. All slams uh, filmed in the spring at Mount Bachelor. A lot of flips. A lot of flips, a lot of trains. It's kind of definitely known for the trains and the... It's known for the trains and then also like the storyline and the acting part of it because later on we had developed the whole storyline. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I've seen you go into a tunnel in one. And we could do a whole episode yeah. on a bomb, on a bomb <laughs> on, on just on shorts and shades. Deep dive. Like, yeah. And if you want the deep dive, RJ McNichols, big shout out to RJ. He came through 410 and produced a full-blown Hollywood-style documentary for it. Wow. It's called Shorts and Shades, The Retrospective, 10 Years of Madness or something like that. It's on Vimeo. You can search that out. Have to you have that. to pay like $2 or something for it. But it is a solid viewing, and it'll give you the whole history on Shorts and Shades because it's like a whole thing. But as far as 11 goes, I have no new info other than I can just say like show up uh, in the spring and throw the shorts and shades on at Bachelor, and it's, like, going to be a good time. It's not ski or snowboarder uh, exclusive either. It's, oh, really? It's all-encompassing. Oh, yes. All-encompassing. Ski, snowboard, minion, um, 
Chet. Snow bike? Yeah, snow bike. Yeah, motocross. You whatever do, you're into. Whatever. <laughs> I could bring. With. I could bring yeah. my dirt bike up there. And the oh mountain, yeah, we would the, love that. The, the shorts and shade crew would allow. Jake Price is, maybe mountain. has already hit that. Oh, he has. Okay, <laughs> I feel like possibly. <laughs> How long do you usually film these for? Um, we started out like the very first shorts and shades was just one day, kind of like, oh, this this will be a funny like joke video. We'll call it shorts and shades, like whatever. Yeah. And at that time, we, like, exclusively only listened to rap, so it was so out of the box for us to throw metal music on top of the footy. It was like, that was funny enough by itself. Yeah. Um, and that was just one day. And then the last one's, like, it'll be anywhere from a week or longer, like, just depending on what we need to get. Like, this, the savage trains and shredding always happens, like, just on the last day, basically, like, when everyone's in the park. But then the, everything else, like, that makes the video what it is, it's like there was a lot of planning going down. We're like, because there's there's like ten minutes of intro on Shorts and Shades ten of like storyline. Fucking, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's good. Oh, well, um, for the real fans. <clears throat> Let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Wild Mike's Ultimate Pizza. We always break the ice with our guests by eating cheesy bites before recording. All their products are one hundred percent all natural, no artificial anything. Me and Buds love hammering. Wild Mike's Pizza on the regs. No joke, the pizza bites are incredibly tasty. They support us. You should support them. Follow them on Instagram at Wild Mike's Pizza. They are always doing cool giveaways and whatnot. Okay, let's get back to the show. So now, Max, one thing I want to transition, pivot, swivel swivel into. Uh, I know that you you got a big thing, don't eat the homies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, kind of. That is that's a good way to put it. That that don't eat the homies thing is just like this awesome brand that these I hit up on uh oh, Instagram. Th- oh, that's not your shit? No, that's oh, not I, my I shit. Thought that was your, my bad. I thought it was yeah. your, explain well explain this whole topic to Exactly. The don't list. eat the homies, that's just a good phrase. I saw that on Instagram, liked it. Those are cool people. They sent me like some hoodies. Copy. Vegan brand or whatever. But um yeah, the last like three or four years probably like really since I met Alex, she helped me a lot cause she's really knowledgeable with food and you know, just nutrition and all that stuff. And she's pretty hardcore vegan these days. Um, and kind of was when I met her too, but she's real hardcore now. Uh, and I'm definitely less hardcore vegan. I'm definitely not a strict vegan. Like I'll eat my farm fresh eggs and I'll slip up on some like candy and some with some milk chocolate or whatever it is. But for the most part, I'm like pretty much a vegan. Um, definitely a little tiny bit of fish and stuff. I don't like to like claim, I hate the whole like word vegan and the what, like how hardcore people are with those boundaries mm-hmm. and the guidelines on like what you call yourself or whatever, but what label you put yeah. on. Yeah. I say like, I, I try to eat for like the climate mostly reasons. Like I don't like to support the big industries and I really truly feel like that's like, like this coronavirus shit. I think it came from factory farming and I think that's where like the next one's going to come from and the next one after that. And like the fact that we're all getting antibiotic resistant because of the amount of antibiotics that get pumped into the food that we're eating. If you eat animal products, it's like really fucking scary. <laughs> like The whole population, we're going to go back to like the dark times where the black plagues hitting us and we can't use antibiotics. Like, cause yeah, I think that like something like seventy five percent of the produced antibiotics get used on animals, and then we eat them. So just double dose of shit that, and you don't need it. Like you're just getting them it. without knowing it, huh? Yeah, we're getting it without knowing it exactly. Um, and then I, I really truly believe in the like stress that you intake other being stress when you eat that flesh. 
And that's what like has tripped me out the most about all of it. It's just like the, the way that slaughterhouses work and the amount of insane stress that gets put on those animals. And then they release toxins into their body, which then you intake. It's like, that's where I think a lot of disease comes from cancer stuff. And just, it's like a, almost like you're eating like a bad vibe is how I picture it in my head. Like, mm-hmm. and I like to just avoid that if I can, like I get, I ate meat a bunch. I le- I don't have any problem with it. I just try to like advise people for health reasons and for climate reasons to just try as hard as possible to not buy like the huge factory farm stuff and buy local if you can and just like treat it more as like a treat instead of something that like you need every single day. Or three meals a day. <laughs> right. And at the rate we're going, we're just like not going to make it if we keep consuming meat as much as we are right now. So more and more people have to like start scaling down. And it's really awesome. Like it's delicious and easy and I haven't eaten red meat or chicken in like years and years. Years. Yeah. I love it. It's go it's very informative uh yeah. platform. I didn't know I don't know about the antibiotic Me stuff either. at all, to be honest with you. So Oh yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. The, it's I mean it's scary to watch those documentaries and stuff. Yeah, they'll scare I, you into not eating meat quick. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And I just think that like it's not even I think people just think about these things too negatively. Like it just needs to be a positive thing. Like we just need to change. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Like it's, they have these meat replacers that taste exactly like a burger. It's Dude, beyond is and, off and really good. It's actually. off the charts. Yeah. Dude. So good. And I think there's also sustainable ways to eat meat in some sense. Exactly. Like you, you, you don't it have just to depends on it where out. it comes like, from. So it's not, not all meat is bad. Like, get, you know, sure. especially wild game. Yeah. Things like that. Stuff like that. I have no problem with. And I think that people shouldn't have a problem doing that, you know? But I also think that a lot of people are just tricking themselves into thinking they're eating this healthy meat when they're really eating some like. So I have shit. a question for you, just because I don't know. If I eat meat and it says USDA organic, USDA organic, what does that mean? It just yeah. like means that they were fed with organic foods and uh, grown without fertilizers, basically. But or, they could still be antibiotic meat. For sure, yeah. Okay, yeah. If it's in, if it comes from any sort of a factory farm that's bigger than like a thousand head of cattle or something, which is like every piece of meat you'll ever buy. It has been like stuffed with antibiotics. So you want to try to find these small local farms? Small local farms is the best. And then if you can, yeah, if you can really like farmer's market style it and ask about antibiotic stuff, um, that's the best. Or you got a homie that that shot an elk? Homie that shot an elk's good too. You raise your own chickens, you know, you raise your own cows. If you have land for that, like one cow will feed a family for like years. If you freeze it, do it right. And then, I, yeah, I, I hunt ducks, and those. Yeah. And when you drop that, that's like, I mean, yeah, most of them die immediately when you shoot them. Totally, but, but there's probably some bad vibes yep. on some of them. And that's like, slow. yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know? that's just like your own decision. I think that the biggest problem is people just don't know how bad it truly is for the whole world, and mm-hmm. and for us and like the climate because the CO two emissions and stuff from those huge farms are so gnarly. Mm-hmm. Super nearly, and we're going to run out at some point anyways. Yeah. Like and our, we use our grandkids that, might be fucked. That space that we use to grow food, to grow our food, it's like just double waste of land, you know? Like we're using so much space to grow corn just to feed to the cows to make them fat, then we can eat the fat cows. Oh, true, double waste. When we're just like, we should just be using all that land to grow more corn that we eat or whatever, you know, not just corn, but yeah, like, yeah corn is maybe not corn, the best though. example, but yeah, but that's what they feed foods. cows, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> totally. It's not good Dude, for those, us either. Those like, beyond, uh, Del Taco tacos are better than the meat tacos. I think straight up. Yeah, no now joke. I have a question. Um, I'm asking for a friend. 
Now, if you eat ass, does that affect any of veganism, or is that just kind of like... I have been wanting the same thing. And who thing. is this friend that you're asking <laughs> yeah. for? I've been wanting the exact same thing. <laughs> is, that one, is that one a green light? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it's a green light. It's a green light. It depends on the diet of the receiving... Uh, uh, oh, the is receiver, that how it works? Receiver That's how it works. Ass? Yeah. Eating? Are you vegan? <laughs> oh, I can't eat your ass now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> sorry, I can't eat your ass. I'm sorry, vegan. Sorry, uh, did vegan. you have a hot dog today? That's not going to work. That's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. Yeah, that would be, be a great uh, conversation in a bar or something. No doubt. But yeah, I always just try to encourage people to eat uh, like as you can do a vegan meal or whatever one time more than you normally do. Like that's a win for the whole world, basically. Like, True. It, you're just supporting. That's just less support towards like what we don't need to be supporting. And growing your own veggies. Like, I was big this summer during quarantine. I worked in a greenhouse and learned how to, like, actually grow vegetables on a little bit bigger scale and, like, learn more about how to actually get things from the little seed into, like, something that you can eat. And it was so fun and so easy. And, like, we didn't do a very good job of, like, dealing with the product once it was already grown, you know. We're just eating it fresh. But with a little bit better preservation and stuff, it's, like, really fun process, super zen and, like, I loved it. You know, I can't wait for next summer to do that again. It's fun growing shit. It's so fun. Yeah, got, we got a little salsa garden here. I like making my little salsa. Dude. And you brag about, I, I grew this. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. fucking grew this. Yeah, I fucking grew this. Fresh <laughs> salsa, though, man, is so damn It, it slaps. It's, yeah. You can just eat it with a spoon pretty yeah, much. Straight up. Definitely Don't even need to different. dip chips in that shit. So earlier we were kind of talking off air. One thing I wanted to get into is how would you describe your approach to boarding and life and how it's changed over the years? Yeah, so when I first started snowboarding, I think, like, I thought that it was mainly about, like, you know, getting on these trips, filming good tricks, a whole bunch of good tricks, get a good video part down, and, like, that is what it's all about, basically. And then you do this premiere in the fall, and, like, the people in the audience get all hyped up, and that's, like, the sickest thing, pretty much. It's, like, when your part's on the screen, and your bangers are going, and, like, everyone's cheering, that's, like, the dopest part about snowboarding, kind of, you know? And that was the vibe I grew up with, and it was... It was awesome, you know, and I like, I still sort of like wish it was like that because the secretive aspect of all that, it was really fun. And I think that there's still people who are doing that, like Vans and these guys making the big, big videos, but definitely not as much as it used to be. Um, And I just sort of like had a little switch happen after going to so many different events, like the, like the LB, the Bank Slalom at Mount Baker and then things like uh, Super Park and different types of events and getting to meet like the like the cat dudes here in in salt lake and our kind of like spring break vibes we would do and then combo that with the shorts and shades just over the years i started like realizing that i actually like i'm searching out these events where like it's sort of just like the space where awesome stuff is going to happen all the time that's what i really like because it's that same vibe from the premiere where the bangers are playing but it's happening in real life and maybe at an event it's like boom 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 like people are firing up and there's crazy shit just like bam 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 bangers like that space right there when like that is the vibe and everyone's killing it that's like the sickest thing and the best feeling i get in snowboarding is when like yeah you're in a situation or maybe you've even like helped like with the qb camp i like help create this situation and come up with some crazy feature and and then all of a sudden it's like just everything is flowing around you and this you're just in this place where it's just like you're almost like floating around and crazy stuff is just happening because of these little moves you made or whatever it is. And that's like the ultimate goal, I think. 
and what I've tried to do with like the QP and Brain Bowl and just more stuff throughout filming is like create this space so that that can happen, you know. Bring people together the right environment so there mm-hmm. can be an energy of people just going crazy. And, and then it just seems natural. And people mm-hmm. are kind of like, what the hell is even going on? Like, this is, why is this so sick right now? Uh, yeah, like we, at the last QB camp out, we stuck this the this big box in vertically on top of the tallest part of the quarter pipe. So it makes a giant like pyramid. Mm-hmm. And then we had like, at the end of the contest in the rain, Pat Moore bombing in to try to do a blunt to fakie on it. Cause like nobody could stall the top. And it just like, and this is at like my contest somehow. Like, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> and we're tripping out. Like, at everyone, there's like eighty of my like favorite snowboarders right there, like all being in on the same vibe. Um, and yeah, that is it's something that like I've experienced up at Hood. I've experienced it there. Like, and then now I try to like do that same vibe, but even just filming. Really, like I'm really all about party spots and like trying to just make something that feels like unique and exciting. And I'm, it always relates back to like that feeling of being in the premiere and like those, your certain tricks that hit the hardest out of all the tricks, like just searching out like that right there. Like just everybody who's in the room and whoever sees what's going on or at the event and sees it, they're just like mind blown. If I can be around for like either I'm snowboarding or someone else is snowboarding, but just be there when that happens, that's like the ultimate goal. It's a good feeling, though. Yeah. Is this rubbing off on your little brother a bit, too, like seeing you do these type of things? I mean, I think that, like, we just rub off on each other yeah. big time. Like, Gus and I, we were, like, It's a, it's a really weird statement. <laughs> we rub off on each other all the time. <laughs> you do, huh? Oh, <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, yeah. But, no, big time. Like, style-wise, I think we're just, you know, and just approach. I think I learn as much as he does from me, pretty much. Like, I... I don't even see him as, like, my little brother. Really. What's the age difference? Two and a half years. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's pretty close. And we were homeschooled. Like, I I was homeschooled after, like, third grade, and Gus pretty much, like, the whole time until I went back to high school for, like, my last two years of high school. So I was homeschooled for, like, pretty much my whole school career. And, I mean, that, too, like, that straight up made me, like, who I am. And my relationship with my brother and stuff, like, it's super good because we were just together all the time. And we're in this, like, situation where we're on a farm and there's never any, like, like fighting or anything because we would just be punished by, like, going out together to, like, we have to work together and, like, move all this these hay bales and, like, restack them, you know? And so there's no room to, like, fight. It was just, like, a really good way to grow up and I'm super grateful that uh, Gus and I have a good relationship and my parents were able to, like, put up with all that and homeschooled us because it was awesome was it weird getting tossed into high school for those two years after it was kind of like my decision i wanted to like hang out with some chicks and i had tons of snowboard homies and stuff but uh i wanted to go to school yeah and then i could like drive too i was driving to school yeah that was when i had like my first real girlfriend and shit like that i was glad i did it but and i I was going into college too and i wanted to like not just be completely fucking socially overwhelmed (laughs) when i got and like just with school like i was doing school homeschooling style but it's like way different yeah it's a little more lax yeah yep yeah that social element is i guess if you have snowboarding and stuff your social elements there if you're going and riding all the time but yeah it's if you're isolated with your family it's kind of yeah there's a stigma i definitely didn't have the same amount of like hometown homies that other my other like kids that went to normal high school did, but I would have like the homies in Park City and in Colorado or wherever. So did Polish you did you homes. go to college? Yeah. 
Did you go? Um, I went to college for like two and a half years. Never finished or, or haven't finished yet. Eventually, I want to go back. But um, yeah, I kind of like I was injured. Like I was saying, I had a pretty rough string of ankle injuries where I was like basically out for like three winters in a row or like kind of like half assing it. Um, and I just tried to like take advantage of that time. And then since then, knock on wood, I've been healthy and like sort of just being like waiting to get hurt to go back to school in a way. Like, <laughs> the I ankle's know. tough too, man. Dude, the hurt ankles are the worst. Yeah, you just always have you to rock walk. stiff boots. Yeah. 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 When I, I fucked my up. ankles up, I had to start rocking some stiff doggers. Yep. And the one, I always say that the, the one time I messed up my ankle, like most recently was a day when I blew my boa out, like it was that hood and blew my bow out and try. I was still trying, like it was mid sesh. I was trying to learn switchback nines and, uh, yeah, blew it out. And then the next try, I like landed on my toes and fucked my ankle up. That's like, s- same thing. Any like back five front seven, yeah. you know, Stick sw- back. like switch back five where you come in and you come in on your toes heavy. That's how I've always destroyed my ankles and soft boots. It's like, yeah. get this. You, if you're going, if you're going back five and you're under rotating or back nine, Tighten the dogs up. I don't see why you shouldn't have tight boots, really. Like, unless you're straight trying to like tweak some crazy, tweak some grabs. Yeah. Let's talk about your setup and, um, you know, a what it is. She is graphic bindings, angles, everything. I'm riding the uh, GNU snowboards finest, my pro model board. Um, this is the third year that we've done it, so this one's coming out next year, be in the fall. Um, but yeah, they. Like, well, I guess three, four years ago, they came up, they approached me and Blake, Paul, and offered us up boards and just like dream come true. You know, I've ridden for GNU for probably like close, I'm getting close to being like 15 years or something on GNU. Um, but yeah, just a hundred percent dream come true. And they let me like put my own art on it and stuff, which was all time. Like I looked up to Forrest forever doing his own art on his boards and just his whole entire vibe of like it was just mind blowing going to his house and seeing his whole computer and his program and his paintings and shit everywhere. And like, there's like saying, Oh yeah, this is a board that didn't make it or like whatever, you know, this is something I'm thinking about. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so sick. Are you just designing and all of his clothes and shit. So I'm just like soaking that up when I was young, loving it, you know? And at the same time, like writing his board, the space case, which was like the pretty rough, like there was like the park pickle on GNU, which is their like banana board at the beginning. Um, and pretty much like revolutionized all that type of reverse campers snowboarding, I think. Like, and still to this day, Mervin hands down makes the best mer- reverse camber boards. Like, I was here, you guys on here talking shit on reverse camber. <laughs> and I'm yes, just guilty. like, That's charged. dude, you guys don't even. Like, I'm just, to, you're I saying just, we like, got to try those out? Dude, I just laugh. I sit there and laugh. Like, I'm like, they just don't even know. Like, they've never been on this magnet traction, Mervin, like C2, the good shit, you know? Because the, I, I'll put Blake on one of these boards up against anybody on a for in like a stomp contest. Well, Prody, Straight. Prody definitely, and dude, T Ricky rocks it. T Ricky rocks. Those guys it. land like, everything. I have not tried it. They oh, land man. everything, and they're board control gods. And I guarantee you, like whoever is like on here talking camber talk has just never ridden one of these. It's a straight ones. up reverse camber. No, no, it's it's this is like I think C two. Um, it might be. C- I got to, like, check on this, but I think it's C2BTX or something like that. Because the hybrid campers, cambers are pretty dope. Yeah, this is the hybrid camber. It's, We're talking it's, full banana. Yeah, We're talking banana just straight up in here. reverse camber is what we talk shit on. But that's, nobody knows that, though. 
Yeah. Everybody thinks you're talking shit on these reverse cameras like this. You know? uh, I'm ta- I'm, I'm, we're hybrid, talking like I think is no is hybrid is good options. This is the way to go. We're ca- we're camber right here and then reverse and then camber again down yeah, those, by the feet. That kind of stuff's good. Yeah, it slaps. But like when the, if I set this on the table, it would spin around like a top. Really? In the middle, yeah. Like and it the, doesn't The magnet traction makes a big difference too, huh? The magnet traction makes a huge difference. Like uh like they say, it kind of just like turns ice into powder. And I always think that turns ice into powder. That's what they say. That's a I don't know, that's kind a of a bold claim. Little, claim. Bold claim, but it's a cheesy like little to, thing. But but the, it works. You know, the cool thing is it just it gives you all these multiple uh, points of contact with the snow. Yeah, and you can that's like on a normal board you only have two really, maybe three if you count the middle. Mm-hmm. But this gives you a whole bunch, and that point of contact is where you get your grip on ice. Like a serrated knife. Yeah, and so these allow you to have dull edges, but then you have a bunch of points of contact, so you can sit on your edge and still hold it, and on, like, your dull edge park board. So for, like, the East Coast park guy who's, like, riding icy park, this is, like, the shit you want. They're loving it. They're loving it, dude, because you can have a dull park board edge, whatever. Not that I support that at all. I think you should ride sharp edges, Mm -hmm. but... From the Northwest, he legally has to say that, actually, if he's from the Northwest. <laughs> never detune. He signed a contract. <laughs> you never detune. Never detune. Um, yeah, no, so I ride a 57 pretty much on everything, 157. Um, I think they make this board down to like a 45 or something, but this is the biggest size that they make right now. And, yeah. It's what are you rocking for angles? Epic. Angles and... Uh, I run like fif- width. 15 on the front foot and probably like negative 9 or something. Pretty classic, like solid duck a little more angle in the front um i do three quick clicks of forward lean kind of a lot of lean pro tip pro tip these guys with edge control they they rock some forward lean you want to be leaning yeah it's good for your knees dude that's why i started doing it it's because like if you think about it if you don't have forward lean that allows your legs to be completely straight yeah which is bad that's when you hurt them that's when you hurt them exactly and if you have forward lean your knees are always bent you're not gonna like be riding and just like be stiff legged and hit a bump. Yeah. You know? And like you just gotta get out and ride a lot so your legs are used to always being squats that way. It's all about the squats. It's all about those That's the Dirksen Derby. Dirksen pro tip is squats. Squats and wall sits. (laughs) Like that's all you'd hit. And forward lean. Forward lean. (laughs) And uh and then I'm normally like around like a twenty one or twenty two range for stance. I'm in there somewhere. Twenty one if I'm jibbing, twenty two if I'm like hitting a big jump. You'll change it. Yeah. It's easier to grab if you have a big stance. That makes sense. Yeah. That's easier. a pro tip. Yeah. Pro tip. Easier to grab if you have more angle and a big stance. Because you got to get your feet. Easier to grab in between your feet. Yeah. Anything yeah. Anything weird with your, like, quirky stuff you do? Do you do anything weird when you set up your board? Mm, Just kind of slap like to, the bindings on. I definitely, like, make my heel straps as tight as they can possibly go. And I, like, crank my shit all the way down. Like, dead tightness. Dead feet. Like, my feet are always asleep. Not a rope toe <laughs> specialist shit. if no. you're cranking that hard. Yeah, no, and I'm like uncranking at the bottom big time. Chilling, yeah, chilling out a little bit at yeah, the bottom. Yeah, if I'm busting, I like to have my shit really tight. And I, I like to ride, yeah, stiff boots, stiff bindings, and like a medium board because I think that that gives you the most control. You can have stiff stuff on your feet and then a little play in your board. I like I like a soft-ish big board. I think that's the best. The big gives you the stability, and then you can still like lift your board around and I like to be able to do, like, kick-turning moves, I call them, which 
if your board's too stiff, you just can't do that. Can't do that. Yeah. Big boards also, you land. You can always land. Right. It's hard to land on a small board. Very hard to land on a small board. And I mean, the one thing I will say about camber versus reverse camber is like doing a board slide on a long rail, way easier on camber board. Really? Yeah. Because you just roll off. Like it, that's literally holding you on. Yeah, it's holding you on. And a reverse camber, you're rolling off. So earlier in an episode, um, made a statement we were talking about sketcher shape-ups and i and uh with russell winfield and i threw out a statement that um just uh that uh, i believe reverse reverse camber, camber was the sketcher shape-ups of snowboarding right. i did say that hence why i was <laughs> slightly offended <laughs> <laughs> so did, how much offense did you take to that statement <laughs> well I, I again i'm just like these guys they it's like i just like wish that you could shred on this board for a couple laps there's gonna be so many listeners that are like fuck yeah reverse camera like, like dude <laughs> we don't and for the record we don't give a shit we just right. say shit yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, exactly we just say it you don't need to lose any sleep over it there's some people <laughs> just, lose sleep over us talking shit on colorado and oh yeah and they write in the Shoot, comments you know what Let's like, give let's give Rado a little air horn. We forgive yeah. him a little love. We've give been roasting him hard. I actually spent like seven, five, maybe five good years in Colorado. Oh, know? you're an actual yeah. Rado. I, I lived there, man. Lived in Vale, Avon, dude. You did during too, the, right? You're, I lived, there there no, I lived the, on Shadow's couch for oh, like okay, a minute, okay. but I, I didn't live there. Like the Just a quick stint. Yeah, dude. I used to have this Colorado video that you had footy in. It was um, what the fuck was that thing called? Keep talking. Maybe it was keep. It wasn't. Was there another one? Rado video that I had for you? Kind of Rado-ish vibes. It might have been Keep Talking. I don't know. I got it at High Cascade, and it was, like, mad old. Chronicles of Gnarlia, EPI Films, It Ain't Easy? It Ain't Easy. Oh, yeah, It Ain't Easy? it ain't easy. No way. Yeah, that shit was sick. Yeah, there's some OG Rado there. When you move from the east to Colorado for the first time, you're just mind blown. Right. Seeing these mountains. But then it's just, then you move to Utah, and you're like, oh, damn. Or the Northwest. Really, yeah. You see some serious mountains. Yeah. That's why we talk shit in Colorado. That's okay. I mean, everyone does. Yeah. I've been talking shit on Colorado like since the first time I went there and I was like a little kid, you know? It's it's kind of like the video part thing where you're like, have you seen the part? Nah, but it's trash. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you Just been to Colorado? Like, like, nah, but it's trash. <laughs> I haven't been there in years and years and years. It's like, how's Denver? Trash. A lot of traffic. I so, haven't been there. I don't know that. Dude, uh, <laughs> we talked about this earlier, but you said you want to do a little giveaway. Uh, yep. for, you got a board. You got your last year's or this current year's in-store pro model. Yeah, this year's in-store uh, pro model finest right here. Um, we got a 157. That's the name of your board, the finest? Yeah, the finest. That's a great name. That's a good name. That one took me a while. I came up with that. Uh, I was shredding down from Mount Hood during coaching and I straight pulled on the side of the run and wrote that name down in my phone. Wow. That's tight. Like, the finest. We'd been chopping names for like ever and ever. I think you should call it the shape up personally. <laughs> <laughs> the GNU shape up. The, the GNU shape, shape up. Yep. This one's got a nice underwater vibe. You so, do the graphic? Yep. Yeah, this is a really, really fun one. Oh, that thing looks good. I remember seeing that thing in the air. Yeah, it was nice. This was is, it? It's got a good uh, shreddy. That was our dog. That little fluffy Pomeranian dog. I don't know if you ever saw him. Mm-hmm. Shreddy forever on this sub right here. And then the other two, that's Ham right there. Hammy James Beans and my other dog, June. Oh, I see a couple sharks. Is Chompy on the graphic? Sharks. No, Chompy never made it on. He's going to actually maybe be on my new one, though. because Chompy needs to get some love. Dude, Chompy then, might need his own pro model. Yeah. With canoe. <laughs> new graphic, I'm, I was leaning towards like a desert vibe. Because I, I had space first and then this water and then jungle. 
Now you can and, get uh, Desert with Chompies. I think I'm going to Yeah, Chompies going to hopefully make an appearance on the new graphic. That would be now, sick. Are any of these inspired by eating any fungus? Because they kind of look yeah, like it when like I look at the graphic. Big facts. I, I just love, like, each one of these little, is like, like this shark, just one the little drawing, you know, in, on a page in my notebook. And then all of it gets scanned together to, like, make this whole big thing. And it's just a long time, but it's really, really fun to do. And it's straight up, like, one of my favorite things that I get to do every year is just like put this shit together and having the time to do the jungle one. Like this one, I went all out on and it is, it's a techist graphic. Like even looking at it now, I kind of like trip on how much I did because I just really had so much time during quarantine. It was like, yeah, there's no end to it. it. Never it felt like it was just never done until it was finally like, all right, yeah, there it is. Man, and so some lucky viewer listeners going to get that board? Is that yeah? What's oh, yeah. That's the plan. How dude. are we going to do this? Um, so we were going to do a little Insta giveaway. Um, I think that basically what was our the goal was to just do a follow on Brain Bull Sessions and a follow on me sixty nine max four twenty, and then we were going to do some sort of a contest um, caption contest caption contest exactly. We're going to throw up a clip and we're going to do a caption contest, and the winner. Wins this board. So if you guys follow the bomb hole at the bomb hole, we will guide you towards this contest when this episode comes out as well. Yep. And uh, make sure you follow Max at, what is it, at 69 Max 420? 69 Max 420. Good, good gram name. That's a quality name. Yeah, that was, I mean, dude, that just like shows what I was saying. We were there right at the start of Instagram. Like, <laughs> we didn't give a fuck on Instagram at the beginning, dude. Like, it was so wild. And now thinking about like, that's basically how I think of my, my whole career, like what we're all fucking doing. So true, like, huh? At the beginning, it was just like, oh yeah, homie party shit. Everyone had crazy names and everything. Nobody cared. And uh, yeah, you just get stuck with some name like 69 Max 420. Great. I think it's a great name. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now everyone, like I have so many kids. There's so many other like, 420 Max 69, 69 Tim 420. And they're like these little snowboarder kids. Like, that have the name. For sure. Yeah, Sick. it's so dope. Love that shit. One thing we got I want to run back and talk to talk about real quickly is you guys GNU, Mervin, Libtech um I just find it it's so cool when they uh, you know a snowboard brand lets a rider make their own graphic and the the way snowboard like the way it works is a lot of times like you know a rider will want a graphic and then the sales team comes in and they're like I know that this won't sell and we need to make it like this corporate fucking thing that we can sell. Oh, yeah. There's this, since it's such an expensive item, there's all this like corporate fucking red tape that you got to go through to make a snowboard that people totally. don't understand. And so it's just like, you know, hats off to, to Pete and, and every, and Jesse Burtner and, and all the yeah. people at Mervin for being like, Hey, giving you a pro model. And then B being like, we're going to make cool graphics that are, I don't want this is shitty to make a comparison about skateboarding, but it is. It's like it's it's in yeah. it embodies your personality. Totally. It's not some like corporate graph like you know. No, for bullshit. sure. So. I know exactly what you're saying, dude. And I'm seriously so thankful on that same tip for Mervin and all of them because they really like doing it. Getting a board in the line is like a big fucking deal. Like, and they stress over those graphics. And there's a lot of people that are involved in all those decisions and even just one little thing can like affect the sales tremendously in their head, especially they're like, Oh, they're tripping on one part of the graphic and it's somebody doesn't like it. Like that's getting changed. And it's a lot of trust to let us do this. And I, I really give it up to Forrest for like paving the way for so long and doing so good with his pro models. Like 
and his art and stuff where he made it pretty easy where they trusted and and he kind of had our back too like me and Blake just like yeah these guys got it like um because I was already doing a little bit artist stuff at that time but that first year graphic like doing that alien space one was a big I was just like okay like I gotta make this cool I already had that idea and it was kind of crazy we I like took Zim out to shoot a drone photo so that we could like photoshop a crop circle and it was just trust. Like I'm telling this idea that sounds so just like stony and fucking like, you know, I'm like, yeah, it's going to be crop circle or whatever. I'm like, can't explain it, you know? And they just trusted it. It came out so good. And the same with these two, like this one was so much trust on their part. And I didn't have the base. Like we got these sick tray squad frogs on the base right here. Mm-hmm. It's like with some mushrooms, you know, that's like my hometown crew throwing up tray squad. It's on the board I'm writing. Like, that's sick. And they're down, you know? So just so much love. Like those guys are the best and their boards are truly like handmade by like some dude who's, you know, they slap, they boards come with a sticker that's like made by Tim or whatever. Really? You know? Hand signed each one, like right there in Washington. They're the best and th- by far the most eco-friendly too out of any of the major snowboard brands. Like I just, what the amount of recycling and stuff that goes on up there and the reuse of materials and zero waste, like it's a zero waste snowboard processing facility. Like that's awesome. It's so cool. The fact they're made in the U S is huge made in, in the U S and they don't have any waste that comes out. That's hazardous. And no, that's way. crazy. Like, it's really crazy. So I got a Patreon question from Travis Kerr. Curious about the overall experience riding for air blaster. As a shop owner, shout out Splinters, Airhorn, please. Air Blaster is one of the best brands to deal with and a shop favorite for sure. Is it as rad on the inside as it seems to us on the outside? Awesome. Thanks, Travis. I like how he requested his own Airhorn. Yeah. A little Airhorn request, please. Yeah, yeah, dude. I think uh, Air Blaster, like, I've been a fan of Air Blaster since the very start of my snowboarding. Like, one of the first, like, we said, like, I was coached by Tim Eddy. He was Air Blaster to the core. I... I've looked up to Burtner a bunch. He used to run, like, this big puffy. I had, like, his same kit when I was a kid. Like, um, and it's just a cool Oregon brand. I like the videos they made. I like the funny vibe of it. It's the least serious out of, like, most of the brands. And I think it's still totally like that. It's still, like, the same people who are involved. Like, Jesse Grinkowski is doing most of everything involved with Air Blaster. And, and now they have, like, regular guy, Ricky Hauer, who's, like, the staple fucking amazing person from all the, you know, like, he's your, that regular guy character that they had in the old videos, for people that don't know, was just, like, he's, like, a guy in the snowboard video who's in the pro video, but he's just the regular guy. And he just is doing, like, small indies and, like, barely doing a shifty on the jump, but he's just as stoked and, like, shredding with the pros. And that's the same vibe on Air Blaster where... They like started this whole scoff um, tour like two years ago, and they just it's like bringing people that don't ride for Air Blaster get plane tickets and get to come crash at the crib, and like they just want pros to be there and they want to like make something cool and have it be like associated with Air Blaster. But it's really on the same tip of about I was talking like making space where for fun stuff to happen. Like they're just trying to make snowboarding rad, and I think they're really like it's a small company and they've been doing the same thing, which is just like making snowboarding awesome for like as long as they've been in business, you know, starting with the leg bags till now where they make like high quality, amazing gear and to have just the same as I've had on uh, snowboards. Like the year we got the first pro model, I got to do a line with air blaster as well. And like, 
that's just a dream come true as well. Because Kokard is one of my all-time favorite snowboarders, and his line with Air Blaster going up, uh, that was like the shit that I just like would die for. You know, his I always thought his style was so good, and his pro models, clothes, whatever. And to get to that point was like so amazing, and I'm so grateful for Jesse and all the everybody that's helped me do that. Kale, Kale Martin. You design a bunch of the tricks that are getting done for Skulf too, huh? Yeah, myself and the team, like whoever's around for whichever stop it's at, but it's always the Air Blaster team. Like we'll, we get the holes, we get to know what the holes are. Sometimes we'll design the holes too, and then we go scope it the day before, and then that night it's just like we'll do a big fucking like porch doobie session, whatever, and just sit there and like plan out the tricks and think of, we know who's going to be in the contest too, so it's like, some people we know have got it. Some people we know are going to struggle and we know some like challenge tricks or whatever. And Scalf is just all time, dude. They're, I think they're still going to do a Scalf this year too. There's going to oh, be sick. some sort of a Scalf final this year. It's cool to have that uh, void of like, don't take snubbering too fucking seriously because yep. it's like needed. That is a needed message. And that's mm-hmm. the message I get from Air Blaster. For sure. It's like yeah. this, we're sliding down the hill on a piece of wood. Let's have some goddamn fun here. Let's have some fun here. Yep. And, uh, and like, get, I just like the Air Blaster truly like the gear too. The, the price point is super low quality, is super high. And they just like, it's kind of just no bullshit. Like they're, it's cool clothes with a good fit and there's no like extra gimmicks and weird shit that you have to put up with. It's just like, simple small company if you need something hit them up they'll hit you back like they're awesome dude uh, you know i know we've been chatting for a while but there's one thing we did breeze over that i want to circle back around and talk about and if you look at you know snowboarders like yourself you know scott stevens uh johnny miller gus engel the list goes on forever there there's kind of one north star for that for all of you guys that have kind of your, your guys is fearless leader, you could say, and, and who's shaped all you guys and who maybe doesn't get the credit he deserves at time, at least in my opinion. But, uh, I just kind of want to ask, you know, and he's played a role in my life, I can say as a big influence, but like Jesse Bertner, what, what kind of yeah. roles he played for you in your life? I mean, he, it's been like absolutely huge and he, he's not only like been big on the, in just in the giving me confidence to wear a helmet and like keep filming and stuff. And like now he's, you know, my team manager, Gnu. But before that, when he was just like the man, you know, he was, he still is the man. He's, but he used to just be like this filming God, you know, where he's, he was this guy that I could hit up. And luckily he just like somehow was down for me, I think through Mervin and stuff. And because I was such a fan of Think Tank, I was just so genuinely like, I love these videos, you know, and whenever I'd see him, I'd tweak out and nerd out with him and stuff. And, eventually he just like offered it up to me to come and film and be a part of like this uh video that he wanted to do called right turn left turn and that was when i was like 18 um and he's like yeah dude i want we're i want to film like it's gonna be a super small crew and like i'm trying to bring like two new people and then like three of classic thing thing people and we're gonna make like two videos and the whole other thing thing crew's like out doing their normal savage street shit that year but jesse's like no i want to do this like more fun video we're gonna travel and whatever and that trip like absolutely changed my whole view on everything. And Jesse, like seeing him operate at the way he like led that trip and just like, he made it so easy for like this group of random people to like, who didn't really know each other to like go on this tour around Europe and film and like just stack. And it was, I, that just like changed my whole life watching that happen. Like and seeing how he handled that whole situation and like day two, I like, 
I'd never met Freddie Perry before. And he, we go to mini shred at like a playground and he just like dies on this fucking sled or this slide, like hip hips, the end of a slide, like the bad. Part. Oh God. Big old, huge hematoma on his hip. And we have to, it's like late night, Helsinki fucking hospital, the whole nine yards. And Jesse, the whole time was just like cool as a cucumber. Like I couldn't believe it. You know, he's like, just, I got this. Like I've been through this shit a thousand times. And I'm like, that was where I was like, damn, like if you snowboard all the time for your whole life, like you can kind of just handle anything. Like this dude's not tripped on what just happened. We're in a foreign country. Like we're, it's about to get dark. We're all freezing or whatever. Like if my homies hurt and Jesse's just like calm as a cucumber, we got this, no big deal. And I'm like, okay, this guy's like the fucking Sarge, you know, like he's pulling all, like all the shots. He's got it. Um, and that, yeah, that whole thing, I just learned so much from him and he's given me so many opportunities filming thing, thank, and then just throughout the years since then, like definitely like father figure fucking awesome you, dude. You keep using this term stack too, which I, I realize probably a lot of our listeners might not know you're talking about. Right. And, uh, it's, <laughs> you know, and, and just explain what stacking is because yeah. that's also a Burtner term. We've been well. stacking a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's basically stacking is like, it comes, the term spawns from when you film tricks and I guess initially it would be like your footage stack of tapes, mm-hmm. you know? So your stack footy is like the classic think tank term video name where, at throughout the season, your stack just gets taller and taller and taller. And Little taller mini and DV taller. tapes before exactly. you had SD cards for the yeah. layman's. And so that's basically your timeline mm-hmm. of snowboard clips. Your stack of clips. That's how we all judge each other. Yeah. <laughs> How's your stack looking? How You've been is stacking? the stack? You know, that's the first question that I ask when I see my homies. How's the stack? Uh, sidebar, I've also heard stack uh, used in reference to masturbation from uh, Michael Hollinger. Oh. Yeah, back in the High Cascade days, back when we lived in the birdhouse, actually. Oh, when you guys were roommates? Yeah, we were roommates. Uh, actually, same blue room. roof. Blue roof. Uh, no, not same room, but <laughs> you would say, did you stack today? And that actually meant, did you jerk off once? Did you jerk off? <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's making the teaser. <laughs> yeah, that's another one. Yeah. That was a, actually Lucy term for that would actually not be jerking off; it'd be going home to have sex. It's like I have to go home and make the teaser. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was I the like whole that. thing. Thank term. I yep. like that. Yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> and on that trip that Burton took me on Helsinki too, like I got to meet Larson on that trip. Like to give an air horn. Let's give an super air horn, dude. Like that was the only Rest time. in peace. At that time, he was pretty much like the goat. Like it was right after some of his insane parts. And me and Gus, like we looked up to Larson like he was God, you know, and he's so hardcore. Like we, I'd never seen anyone who just was like that gnarly and like that gritty with like no like he was one of those people that didn't you know he's never fucking been a coached or anything like that you know i don't know truly but that's just what it seemed like um and then to go on a trip with him i was like mad intimidated and scared and he was like so fucking cool so chill such gnarly snowboarder like um totally the opposite i would say of burtner it was funny to be on a trip with both of them who's burtner's like ultimate poofer safe spot guy Still totally sick. And then Larson's like, does not give a fuck. Case won't, of the fuck it. Won't build a lip. Like, doesn't care if there's a landing or no. And is going to, like, probably land it first try, you know. <laughs> and it's just different types of shredding. And then Freddie, who's, like, going to do something crazy and slam and land it and slam. <laughs> you know, like, it's a good trip. Bears food. Uncle Doug definitely came out. We got to hit locks up. 
with Doug that trip. Wasn't there, was that the trip where there was like the lowest amount of snow ever at one spot? In uh, Helsinki. It was like horrible. Yeah. yeah. It was horrible conditions, dude. Like so bad. And then, yeah, it was horrible conditions in Helsinki and we were just like grinding there and Freddie got hurt. And then we went to locks and it was like the best conditions ever, sunny and beautiful. But Freddie had this like side, he was calling it his side baby. It was this huge hematoma <laughs> bruise on his side, dude. And he'd be in the kitchen like, no, like, don't touch my side baby. Like, <laughs> be careful of side baby. All right. Yeah. Max, dude, I think we've we've done the damn thing, dude. We've been chatting for a while. Now, before awesome. we, we get out of here, if you want to throw any thank yous out. Hit, well, I was hit. just talking about Freddie, so I got to shout out bench, bench press. press. I wore the bench press today. We've done so many air horns. I'm going to give another one, but go watch that video if you haven't. I think you have to buy a DVD or something right now, though, to watch it. But bench press, that was a pretty monumental video, I would say. That one kind of opened the door for me to be able to make Brain Bowl and some of the other stuff that I did. Because that was a, like, it was unheard of in my realm to focus a snowboard video that intensely on one thing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think, like, it was long video, just benches. But snowboarding, like, loved it and ate mm-hmm. it up, you know. And then after the response from that, I was like, oh, shit. Like, a video that's just focused on one small little thing, like, Brain Bowl's focus on, like, snow built like skate park style shit hips and quarter pipes whatever uh, i think there's space for it and i think the bench press like opened a lot of people's minds for that reason like you can focus on some one little thing and people are gonna be super down straight up straight up do whatever you want really yeah don't don't straight up. don't do what everybody else is doing just do whatever the hell you want do what's mm-hmm. fun and like just keep doing that <laughs> That's all that matters, dude. Do what's fun and keep doing just that. Just keep doing that. Put like, that on a t-shirt. Out, dude. Do what you like to do and just go for it. Uh, yeah, if you're saying I should be doing something, maybe you don't need to be doing it. You know, so then you you get a case. I should be doing this. Well, yeah. Should you? Should, yeah. And that's, what do you really want to be doing? That's one of the biggest things I've realized throughout my whole like time in snowboarding is just that it's not. It doesn't make any sense to waste time doing shit that you don't want to do, especially within this industry. Like. You're grinding out on some movie that you don't give a fuck about or whatever, some clips that like you don't actually want to get. Get the fuck out of there and like True. figure out what you actually want to do and go after that. And yeah, for me it's like making videos, making getting pe- more people together to shred so then like I can be in a spot where like there's a crazy session happening and maybe I can bust what I want to do. But it takes so much to like line all that up. It's just so fun, like that figure process. Out, well, dude. and also figuring out that that's what you want to do is a hard process too. It's a hard it's process, like, dude. There's a lot of what do I want to do? A lot of lost, a lot of wrong, wrong taken routes. Can I? Can't <laughs> I? Is this going to be okay? Like, mm-hmm. just do what feels right and stick on that path. And because if you if you are doing it because you love it, then it doesn't matter. The end doesn't matter. Like, it's a great point. Do it anyway. Okay, who, who do you want to thank before we wrap up this hog? Well, I definitely got to shout all my sponsors. Uh, my Home Mountain Bachelor, big, big thank you to Batchy. Um, and then Tactics Board Shop, GNU, Air Blaster, Bent Metal, um, ProTech, who else? Uh, Tokyo Starfish, Crab Grab. Dang. Dang, yeah, dang, dang. Um Currently searching for a helmet goggle full package sponsor. So, <laughs> you know, this is, hit it up. Hit the kid up. This is actually up. like a sponsor, uh, <laughs> well, sponsor uh, me tape, basically. Yeah, I'll, I'll launch your whole helmet program. Let's do it. I got my marketing shit. It's ready to go. Got a PDF coming your <laughs> yeah, way. Ready to, just ready to hit send. Let's rock. It's good to go. Um, yeah, and then just the fam. Like my mom and dad, 
Rebecca, Martin, my brother, um, my the rest of my family, Leslie and my aunt too, too. Those are my two aunts and they're awesome. Texas and Ben, like they're so cool. Um, yeah, my wife, Alex, I love you so much. And I'm glad that I get to like have this life that I have with you because it's awesome. And yeah, thanks to you guys. I'm stoked on the bomb hole, dude. This is like seriously get, putting so much more juice into snowboarding. I think like you guys don't even know. <laughs> like, we're out. I'm out on the West Coast just tripping, you know. <laughs> we're in Oregon loving the bomb hole. That and is dope. Very stoked to be here. So we need to get more, more PNW heads on the bomb hole. Special request. Noted. We Noted. will make a note of that. Thank you for yeah. the kind words. Need, that means a lot. If you PNW. could send us Jamie Lynn, that would be tight. I'll try to get a hold of him. Yeah. Right. As you know, Jake Price has had him in a hard time himself. Yeah. So well, it's not I, an easy task. I uh, don't know what duct tape is, so we might not get another single guest after they find that out. I got a good Jamie story for it to take us out. It's a quick one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm there. This is Landline Premiere, Denver. Insane night, right? Jamie's like the star of Landline, kind of. Uh, I'm rolling up. It was like me, some air blaster homies. And we just all, we also were there for scoff. So we'd just gotten these dope Leatherman knives that were air blaster, like dope Leathermans, but we were going into this venue. So we can't bring these knives in. We're about to get pat downs and shit. And we had weed and stuff too. So we go to this like alleyway and we're stashing all of our shit. And back there we run into Jamie and like his two homies. And so we're all like, and he's going in. We're all smoking back there. And Jamie knows me. So he's like, what's up, Max? You know? And uh, we all go in. We all stash our shit in the same spot. Jamie didn't know any of the other crew. And we come back out. Everything is gone except for just my shit. <laughs> 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 and we all put it in the same spot. Dude. <laughs> That's so sick. It was like weed and these dope knives. And he lo- just had left mine. And he t- it was like the TM for Air Blaster at the time and, like, two other people that he didn't know. <laughs> That's so sick. And he just knew me through, like, Live Tech, GNU, whatever, and so he's like, you're cool, man. You're cool. You're, you're cool, cool yeah. but the rest of this stuff's going with me, brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs> Major then, shouts to that. And later that season, he swiped Logie B's phone charger at Baker out of his bedroom, and that was, uh, he's standing in the Mervin house, obviously, and Logan, you know those Jamie, or, like, uh, have you seen him? Mm-hmm. That we made one of those stickers that was, have you seen my phone charger? <laughs> with, a face, with Jamie's face on it. Unreal. Beauty. Beauty. Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. Those are great stories. Before we get out of here, I, I want to say thank you for coming on. Mm-hmm. Thank That's you guys. killer. Uh, I want to give a major shout out to uh, Chompy. Yeah. Major. Major shout out to Chompy Fuck the tortoise. Shout out. Hope to see him on a board one day soon. Yeah, that'll be a goal. Got to make that happen. Got to make it happen. I want to give a shout-out to Bud's Resi Tip. It is, is looking it strong. Any, any bigger? Yep. Uh, it has. It's gone so up a little bit. It creeps. No and, doubt. And I want to thank you guys for listening and watching and tuning in every single week. It means the world. And we will see you guys next week. Over and out from the bomb hole.